After all this, you still... I still want that gas, yes. And you had better deliver. Alright, folks. We made it to episode 60. Our final release for the year. Joining us, it's your hosts, Adi and Josh. Great to be back, as always. Now, what what can be said about 2022 that hasn't been said already? I mean, that's that's a real enigma of a question. I mean, <laughs> it's. Uh, I mean, I don't. This has been a wild year. Like yeah. just in every like aspect, right? I mean, like politically, it's just all over the place. It's uh, news wise, it's been all over the place. I mean, just the past couple days, you know, we, we, you know, talking about on this outline, we've got you know Andrew Tate, uh, who I'll admit I did not really know like anything about him. The less until... you know about Andrew Tate, the better. You know what I mean? <laughs> I didn't know like anything about him until like it was like, oh, he's feeding with Greta. And then, oh, he's getting arrested for sex traffic. I'm like, well, that's quite an escalation. Well, so <laughs> and so then the, I, yeah. So the thing with Andrew Tate, in like, if you're blissfully unaware of who this person is, keep doing what you're doing. You know, if you're off the internet and that's why you don't know about him, good. Uh, but Andrew Tate was this one asshole who popped up in, um, you know, like Jordan Peterson esque vein of like, you know this weird guy who steps in, you know, to provide advice to young men who need direction in their lives. And the direction he offers is being sexist and materialistic. Right. Uh, Also, he was notorious for just saying a bunch of weird shit in interviews, aside from just, you know, his horrible views on, on, you know, gender dynamics. Also admitted that his dad, I mean, I don't think he said in so many words, but... Everyone was like, holy shit, was Andrew Tate's dad in the CIA or was he a CIA asset? Um, gets charged with, you know, human trafficking, ends up in Romania. And, you know, the rest is history at this point. Yeah, and like I, I've been like, you know, getting some stuff like filled in, you know, kind of through like the backlog, right? As it like, as the story's been discussed online. I mean, I was really impressed with just like, you know, the video that like got him arrested, which was you <laughs> know, with the freaking pizza box. Um, and again, like, it's just like, imagine being like that upset, like, because I remember like everyone was like dunking on that video first. And then like later that night, he's been arrested by the Romanian authorities because he doxed himself, basically. And I was right. like, and it's funny because it's like, I mean, I was like, I didn't think anyone would be able to contest Elon Musk for like biggest Twitter L this year. <laughs> but I mean, here we are, like. He I mean, he came with that end of year pitch. He came with that. No, no, no. I'm going to steal this one before the. I mean, Musk has still got 24 hours. Let's see how it goes. Yeah, he he had, there was like something he said. I don't know if he was joking about that specifically, but he was like, "Oh, you know, we'll have like content that'll mm-hmm. you know be regret free on this platform and whatnot." I'm like, nothing's regret free on this platform. No, just no, like not posting how your day is going is like that's there's regrets the minute you set that out there. I'm 60 episodes deep into a podcast. What my regret is, is a bottomless pit at this point, but well, and, uh, between this and my other, uh, you know, podcast experiences, I'm 60 episodes just this year. (laughs) So (laughs) it's like, I've been, you know, I've been just, you know, on the mic all the time. Uh, this has been a crazy year. (laughs) Oh gosh. 
Um, I, I in terms of like the vibe for this year, right? Like like you were saying earlier, where there's just a backlog of shit you got to keep getting through. That's that's been the pervasive vibe for me, where I've just felt exhausted since 2020. I don't know. I guess a lot of people have been too, right? But it's been a year of trying to decide, like, do I do I invest any care into this or not? Do you invest into the stock market? The stonks. Probably and probably not into Tesla. That uh, those are the, those are, those are the questions. But like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's weird where it's like you know, twenty twenty. I mean, like, I, I hate to you know continuously just go back to that year as like, you know, the cornerstone of modern civilization or whatever. But, but like, it but it is at this point, right? Like, I know yeah, everyone's, everyone's tired of relitigating twenty twenty or twenty twenty, but in some ways we're still reeling from it to now starting a third year on it almost. Well, and like, it's, it's interesting too. Cause like this was the year I think where like we tried to firmly reject 2020, right? Like, yeah, we kind of just accepted that like the pandemic is like done or at least our like care about it is over. Right. Like as right. a society, we're, we're done with that. Like people are tired of hearing about, I mean, to be fair, I mean, people were tired of, covid regulations like a weekend right. um it, it's not exact but i think you know like you know all but like the most like you know, you know not to like you know necessarily like undermine concern about but like all but like the most manic people have moved on from it like on some level right i mean whether it's you know kind of a light you know let back right you know maybe you don't wear masks as often or whatnot but like or, I mean, like, but, and, or you have the people who, I mean, frankly, were never really concerned about the pandemic, right? Who, you know, disregard any form of precaution and whatnot. And I think that that's, you know, the, that's one of the key features of this year thing was it was sort of the first year, like, after like the early winter months, we kind of just accepted that, like, we're just going to return to some level of normalcy. I think that's kind of defined a lot of the chaos of this year, really. To to some extent, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I don't know, but the big thing about talking pandemic stuff, like, I I'm at a point where like I don't have the stomach for it anymore because you have to relitigate every week of the pandemic at a point. Because there was never straight advice. There was never a straight direct order on, like, what you're supposed to do. And the subtext that gets lost in all of this is, like, um, you're kind of left to figure it all out for yourself. And that's what we all did. And, you know, you just have these differing schools of, like, flat-out rejection or a kind of, like, hyper-paranoid um worry of the virus or what most people seem to be doing is deciding when to mask up and deciding when not to uh, at their own discretion or not at all you know what i mean yeah i think that's really the best way to put it right i mean it's kind of just been like and i think too like you know the fact that like it was you know some of this wasn't you know entirely like completely to blame on like the people who are like you know in charge right i mean like on some level right it's a novel virus there's things that you learn on the way right and i mean it, it's just so frustrating where you can't really have like a particularly like it's 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 hard to have like a good faith argument where people are like criticizing the 
were like you know a, a debate over like the pandemic response because it's always kind of like well like initially they said they didn't want you to mask up because of like you know supply concerns and they just that that's they always just go back to that and they exactly. don't like and it's exactly. like or any other point of it right like well they were like kind of wrong about this one other random thing that happened and it's I, like I, okay this doesn't mean they were wrong about everything i think if you can go point go back to any point at all it should be the moment when trump's director of the cdc like slashed if not cut the um pandemic response or pandemic prediction team whatever it was mm -hmm. if you have to pick a particular point but like you're, you're you're nailing it there right where it's like there's there's actually like a dozen correct takes all of them different on how to read what happened but it doesn't change the fact that like the response was effectively a clusterfuck the responses continue to be a clusterfuck and it's 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 almost impossible to discuss like um <laughs> the forensics of how covid happened in the united states as well as the public opinion response and the various differing takes yeah and I, and I mean it's and, and like you know as much as it's like you know kind of annoying in 2022 to re keep relitigating this stuff it's like for whatever reason we've chosen this to be like sort of the defining pinnacle of like politics right i mean it's it's yeah. kind of become like the culture war in and of itself is sort of you know it's like this locus of it really like we look at you know politicians where it's like oh like you know we're the rise of ron DeSantis or whoever just because off the back of the fact that they like were the, one of the most aggressive people at just denying covid and embracing really bad policy responses to it same with Whitmer on, like, the opposite coin ending. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, like, you know, it's 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 not quite the same thing, like, on the left, I feel like. I don't think anyone's, like, I voted for Whitmer because of her pandemic response. No, not um, at all. Yeah, like, there's the, that, that, that level of, like, you know, there's there's not really that level of appreciation for her. I mean, it, it did give her some national acclaim, but I think that was about, you know, it. I mean... I, I don't know. It's it, it definitely seemed like there was a point when you could argue Biden looked like the the favorite because he might be doing something to address vaccine rollouts and mandates and things like that. But mm -hmm. as soon as it stopped being a popular talking point, they dropped it at like the first notice. And like we talked about earlier, you know, Whitmer also dropped it and tried to avoid it. And even though like I mean, you could even argue, right, that, like, Michigan Republicans didn't do well because they were trying to relitigate COVID, right? So, oh, well, that, and they were more concerned about trans issues than anything else. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Like, two unpopular fronts that no one right. really wants to talk about anymore. <sighs> but, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, I don't know. It is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do a really corny segue into another topic we have, which is, you know, what can be said about COVID at this point other than it is a forest of mixed truths, lies, misunderstandings, and mischaracterizations? I can only imagine what this is going to segue into. You can. <laughs> so before the year ends, 
we had to get in one last current event to cover. And in choosing what I paid attention to, what to invest in, this is one of those things that I had to try and understand. So you first brought it up in the DMs, but everyone was talking about this guy. Let's let's talk about George Santos. Yeah, like this is such a weird I don't even like where do we begin? Like so this guy was a was a he's an incoming uh Republican representative from New York. Um kind of flew completely under the radar in the election news. I never saw anyone talk about him, but then like there was all of a sudden this big deal, like, oh, he's like the first openly gay Republican elected. Um then it turns out like this man like his entire life virtually is a fabrication. Everything from his um his work history where he, you know, worked at Goldman Sachs and a few other places, which they deny that. They said he's never worked there. And he's like, Well, actually I worked in a company that worked with them. I just kinda embellished that. Um things like right down to like the death of his mother, he can't right. even keep straight. Like he claimed before for, you know, clout that she died in the 9-11 terrorist attacks, then like later, you know, said some other day was the day she died. Uh, and it's interesting, too, when I looked at his, like, um, I, I looked him up a little bit, and apparently he's just had a history of lying. Like, even before he was elected, but, like, this is just where it's, like, I guess the most egregious is where it's just, like, everything about that he was elected on was a lie. Uh, he said that he's been, you know, he's openly gay, that he's been gay for, like, a decade, but he recently got a divorce within the past three years. Um, it's just, like, this guy is just, like, a clinical pathological liar. At at this point, yeah, and it's like, you know, him being this level of, like, a liar, like, each statement he gives is a, is a lie built on the last, doesn't let the rest of the government off the hook. But this is, like, no. next level, like, dishonesty and... I, Okay, I'm I'm trying to figure out like what's the best way to to start unpacking this because this is also the time I found out Tulsi Gabbard is now doing segments with uh, Tucker Carlson. Yeah, she's his substitute teacher. Jeez. So yeah, like you sent me like the clip of um him getting interviewed by Tulsi on on Tucker Carlson, and she's trying to first of all shout out to her for you know keeping the grift up, you know. <laughs> very shifty during her democratic leadership days he and heading to the Bernie camp, which by the way, like I'm not saying that like 2016 Bernie campaign was like a grifter's nest. I don't think it was 2020. You can say certain things about that campaign, but 2016, I think was like some, some political operatives were definitely like, Hmm, maybe this Bernie lane is a new Avenue for us to start sniffing out for her to go from there to, um, this weird right wing bend she's on, it's mm -hmm. it's either very surprising or not surprising at all, depending on how much of her career you followed at this point, right? Right. But, yeah. But again, consummate bag man. She is in her fucking bag, and <laughs> you know what? If she landed her way to Fox News, good on her. You know what? Be on that grind set. And it's very funny for to like watch her do the Fox News style grift about integrity. And oh, yeah. try to grill George Santos about integrity. 
And then like really like like accusing him like you're how can you count on people to trust you if everything you said is a lie? And I'm looking at George Santos's <laughs> face, cold, soulless. Oh yeah. There is no remorse, no shame, no <laughs> there's there's nothing close to like doubt or like self-awareness. And he, like as soon as she's done speaking, he's like, Well, you know what? We can disagree about that. We can debate my record. I'm like, what do you mean debate? <laughs> the whole record yeah, counts. It's yeah, all in doubt. Yeah, I mean, and like, it, there's other things he's like lied about, like with like his family had like some court, some supposed real estate empire that was a lie. Oh, that was the other big one. Was he claimed that he was um, a descendant um, from Holocaust victims? But then they like like study of his like family records show that like, that's not the case at all. Uh, which also like I mean when he was like oh we we were Holocaust victims that fled to Brazil that raised different red flags for me. Yeah, um, <laughs> that was like I'm like oh, I'm not sure you were uh, you might have been a victim of the after the Holocaust uh, you know mask off moment. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. you know, like, apparently they <laughs> but apparently they've they've been in Brazil forever. But like um. But they, you know, they had that bit, and then he claimed, like later, he's like, "Well, I'm not really Jewish. I said I was Jewish." That statement, oh my god, oh my god. Let me, let me. I have, I have the, uh, the full statement here. So I'm just, I'm just gonna read it verbatim. This man's Wikipedia page is amazing because they have to literally only have two sentence paragraphs, one with the claim and the follow up being, "There's actually no idea." So let, let, let's actually start first here. Um, Santos's maternal great-grandfather was born in Belgium and immigrated to Brazil in 1884. His parents were in Brazil, and he has claimed to have dual citizenship. He claimed his maternal grandparents were Ukrainian Jews who fled to Belgium and then to Brazil to escape the Holocaust during World War II, and separately claimed that his mother was an immigrant from Belgium, but genealogical records and other evidence show that his ancestors have lived in Brazil for at least three generations and that there is nothing to indicate they have any connection to Ukraine, have any Jewish heritage, or are even Holocaust survivors. Santos has used the name Anthony Zabrowski to fundraise for a charity, while records contradict Santos's claim that his maternal grandparents had a Ukrainian Jewish last name of Zabrowski. He also claimed that he was biracial and born to an African-American father who had Angolan roots, but there is no evidence of that either. <laughs> so following up on what you were saying, he told the publication Jewish Insider in November of 2022 that my mother's Jewish background beliefs, ellipsis, are mine. In a 20... First of all, Jewish background beliefs, what does that mean? Right. Um... <laughs> In a 2022 campaign position paper his campaign sent to pro-Israel groups, Santos called himself a proud American Jew. CNN reports that during Santos's 2020 and 2022 campaign appearances, he described himself as, quote, an American Jew and, quote, Latino Jew on multiple occasions. In December 2022, he told the New York Post, I never claimed to be Jewish, ellipsis, I am Catholic. Because I learned my maternal family had a Jewish background, I said I was, quote, Jewish. <laughs> uh, then to follow up on the 9 11 uh, claim, uh, on his campaign website, he wrote that his mother was the first female executive at a major financial institution and that she worked in the South Tower of the World Trade Center 
and died a few later a few years later after surviving 9-11. His mother's actual occupation has been described as domestic worker or home care nurse. In 2021, he stated on Twitter that 9-11 claimed my mother's life. In an October 2021 interview, Santos said his mother was caught up in the ash cloud during 9-11, but never applied for relief because the family could afford the medical bills. In 2021, he stated on Twitter that his mother died five years prior. In 2022, he claimed that both his parents survived being down there at the World Trade Center during 9-11. This is, and I'm just, I, there's so much to go off of here, but in two separate places, claims he was in a, like part of a wealthy family that had real estate in both the United States and Brazil. Also that he was born and raised in abject poverty. Yeah, like, is he, like, was he, like, just kind of, like, setting up both biographies to, like, choose one when the time was right? Like, the, just test the mood, right? Like, well, if, like, you know, this Trump thing's really popular, I'll stick with, like, the rich background that I'm, you know, I'm a big winner. Um, if people are more for, like, an everyman, I'll go with that. Like, what, like, what's the deal? Like, why have, like, two, like, completely opposite backstories? Hey... The only thing I can really say, right, is like at, at a point, it's not even worth digging into what Santos's intentions are. You should still track sure. like who's funding him. You should still track like who he's working for, because this guy's clearly like you know doing things for people. Yeah, but what does it say about our system that at this point that? In a Congress full of pathological liars, how do you have a guy whose like backstory never even holds up to like the lightest <laughs> pressure? Yeah, I mean it's it, it's why I mean like, again like when you have like Tulsi Gabbard of all people like saying that like you're a scumbag that you're you know defrauded the American people and whatnot and like it's weird too because like there's been a, a strong push for him to like not be seated right like there's a push for him to like resign which i mean yeah, who fucking resigns anymore um yeah. or you know for him to be expelled from the institution and whatnot and that's a process that like you know it's it's not really used very often um like i could maybe spend a little more time going over it in my class just because i'm sure people would be interested but it doesn't it's not like they use it that often um but like and it's just weird too where it's just like the the party apparatus is just kind of like latched on like no we need him and it's really it's not so much that they need him it's that like kevin mccarthy needs his stupid vote to maintain like uh you know to be the speaker because like that's how divided their caucus is, is that they can't even necessarily like like they're almost ungovernable at this point because they all want like you know different flavors of like the same crazy thing but they can't agree on the flavor i mean here's the thing right is like is is there a thing to be said about tokenism in the Republican Party? Because they clearly do want minority membership of some kind to at least point to. Not yeah. that they care about it, right? Like the fact that every Republican senator went out and at least like stumped for Herschel Walker. Right, yeah. I mean not all of them, but you know, a good chunk of them. There's a lot of the high profile ones. And then, yeah, there's that. And then even even at this point, right, is like having a guy who claims to be gay um, 
and is like Latino, like helps them like one point to like the 2020 election dynamics where like there is a weird like Hispanic voter contingent that leans rightward, right? Mm-hmm. If they can start making plays to point to it, maybe it benefits them in the long run. But at the same time, why this guy? It also begs the question, like, what exactly is the Republican Party stance on gay membership? Clearly, they won't expel Lindsey Graham or John Kennedy, the senator from Louisiana. <laughs> um, but they've made their views on LGBT people very clear, right? So, like, do they need him to be a token gay? Is he even gay for that matter? Yeah, I mean, like, while that that's even like a question but like everything else is a question right that's like the thing i mean like even before he's not not even latino he's just like italian or something right like i mean who knows like um it's just kind of like it's this weird thing right but i think like you're right it sort of speaks this broader problem within um i think that party right you know like is you know do they even pick up some of these choices like is this like one is this the best they can do Right? Is this like the the only like person they can like feel? Right? Is like this? This is the this is the well, he's gay. He's a minority group. Like let's let's run with it. And Herschel too. Right? Is this like the best black guy they can find outside of Tim Scott? But like, you know, it, it's like is is that the problem, or is it that like it's by design? Right? Like, does this sort of kind of vindicate them in some ways? Right? Like that you know, look, this is you know. A representative, a true representative of the group in our worldview, you know, Herschel Walker, this barely literate, you know, imbecile, or you know, this lying piece of shit who you know can't you know can't tell the truth for more than two sentences. You know, is is the is this kind of more so like proof positive of how they feel about these groups, or is it something else? I don't know. And I mean, that's that's the other thing too, right? Where it's like. Especially if you look at how the Republican Party has operated, even even as far back as like the Obama years, right? Like, when has anyone had any integrity? In I mean, forget forget <laughs> the Democrats at this point. I've I, I've said everything I've had to, but like, who who in the Republican Party has had actually? Oh, shit, is this the last episode? <laughs> <laughs> Should told me. <laughs> there, trust me, there'll be some new things to to, to say in in the next year. I'm. <laughs> I'm I'm more confident than not there will be enough to say, but, you know, if you look at, like, the bad faith approach they had to bargaining with Barack Obama. Sure. Just starting with that. If you start with, I don't know, uh, uh, the Bush administration's already flimsy claims to start war in the Middle East. If you, I mean... Up until Trump, right? Like, you know, at, at, at Trump's level, then you have, like, a case where they're not even, they're not even pretending to have, like, a fig leaf. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, it, 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 in, in this, like, new, like, house of mirrors they've created with both rhetoric and politics as a whole, George Santos is not the exception to the rule. He is the rule. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that like most of them are, are are. I mean, really, it's not so much a question of integrity, a difference in integrity. It's more of like a 
a difference in like tact, right? Like it's, you know, who's better at like at least presenting themselves in like somewhat of a like competent manner or, you know, has enough like cover up that like, you know, they, they're like, I don't think that many of them are like that out. Like even like someone like, you know, Louis Gomer, who is like notoriously like brain dead. You know, he, he didn't like, you know, it's like he didn't like blatantly lie about his entire history to win votes. He, it's just like, yeah, like this is who I am. I'm an idiot and idiots will vote for me. I mean, it, it, it's prescient that you said that, right? That it just boils down to differences in tact. Because that's if you look at like what it is that America's ruling class and uh, members of government are really fighting over. Yes, there's like some culture war fights that do happen. How sincerely or how insincerely performed you know those commitments to those fights are is one thing but you know when it comes down to like what was it that democratic leadership had an opposition to trump with wasn't the kids in cages it wasn't the the ramping up of militarism it wasn't um i mean it was what it was whatever flew with voters right whatever seemed most Persian with them Exactly. But like when you point to like what it is they don't like about this guy, it was just that, yeah, Trump is tactless in a way that we don't like. Yeah. And I mean, I think like, you know, on, I, I don't want to like be that cynical and suggest that they all like didn't necessarily care about kids of and course, cages. But like, but I think you're right. Like at some level on the leadership end, right? Like, I mean, there's not, you know, the minute Biden's elected, there's not really a strong push from leaders to like, like that wasn't a top priority by any stretch. Um, and, you know, like, whatever, like, COVID relief should be should have been the number one priority, maybe. Like, fair enough. A little bit more broadly applicable. But, like, that should have been, like, somewhere in, like, those early, you know, right. things from the Biden administration. And I think, like, you know, overall, like, I, I buy the idea that this is probably, you know, one of the better presidential administrations we've had in a long time in terms of policy success. And in some ways, and as, uh, you know, uh, dark as it may be, like, this is probably one of the most progressive presidencies we've had in a very long time um and you know but it's still like you know not you know yeah not to beat a dead horse but like you know it's not necessarily good enough to meet the moment Mm -hmm. uh that we're in and whatnot and yeah i don't know it's just really um you know, it, it it just goes with that like again like there's some of that cynicism where it's like we don't there's still like those shortcomings and you're right, like, you know, when it comes to, like, I mean, and Grant, I mean, I would say, like, when it came to, like, wars and stuff like that, the Trump administration, the bigger issue there was just that, like, he was so reckless that, like, half of his successes were just the fact that, you know, he walked us up to the cliff and didn't jump off of it. Yeah. Like, that, I mean, that's, that, that would, like, most of the, the administration's successes boiled down to that, right? Like, I think of, you know, all the stuff with Iran, right, where he's just assassinating random people over there basically um and you know it was like well we didn't actually go to war for that so you know i guess that's a win or just even like the the bizarre like schizoid approach to north korea they had where it's like right yeah are you are you liberalizing relations with north korea are you not oh oh oh, mike pompeo's upset i'm not gonna do anything okay yeah. Well, and that's the thing, too. I mean, right. It's like any like I, I think any claims that, you know. 
Trump sort of liberalized the world order, um, you know, or at least the way that America's role in the world, I think, is kind of, uh, you know, it, it ignores like the people that he surrounded himself with and didn't absolutely. actually it's, take it's their It's absolutely take his facile. Advice. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, yeah. you know, and, and some things, you know, like, you know, like, I, I don't necessarily know if, like, I, I mean, I think, I mean, personally at least, like, if he's like, you know, let's join the Ukrainian war on the side of Russia, I mean, that's probably worse. <laughs> God. Yeah, I just I th- I think like when it comes to like what is the vibe of 2022 in like trying to understand politics and even just trying to like understand stuff personally, it's like this has been a year of understanding just how contradictory everything is. Um, it's been a year of like trying to measure out like, you know, how earnestly do you believe in things versus how cynical do you become? Uh And it's also like been a year of like, at some level, just coming to terms with the fact of like, you know, it it sucks, but this is the world you live in. Yeah. Not in like a way of like, okay, I'm going to throw my hands up and like, just accept it for well it and, and i and i think way when we say like the world like the, the world that we live in sucks it's it's that like you know it's this idea that it sucks in a way that's not just like oh man like we're all stuck indoors because of this pandemic it sucks like it's just like there are features that are just enshrined like you know if you didn't necessarily have like a an awakening you know before now like definitely at this point you kind of realize that like things are pretty shitty for reasons that have nothing to do with like, you know, pandemics and whatnot. 100%. And it's also like the revelation you would hope people have is that, and by the way, these shitty features were put in well before you were even aware of them well before you could have Mm -hmm. said anything about them. And if you study the history of some of this stuff, um, you know, the or the, the, the present order of things uh was basically put in without your consent. Now, do you let that make you fall into despair, or do you use that as kind of like a as a setting to gird up your loins and like work harder? That's that's been the question that's been looking me in the face. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I have not started to work harder, but I have become a bit more serious and like, okay, you can't just assume things to be at the simple base level of, you know, having the right principles and intentions. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I mean, and this is, I know it is that point, right? Where it's like following current events and like keeping up with like the news and shit there's a way in which we were all doing it prior to this year, I'd say where like you were a passive observer. And then when you do realize like, Oh, I want to be a bit more controlled in how I do this. You still got to accept that you, you're still a consumer of, of content more than you are like someone learning about something in an active sense. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know, like, you know, that like, um, that there's that like 60 question 
political compass test that puts you on this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So one of the questions that like always rubbed me the wrong way in it was like, um, making peace with the establishment is an important sign of maturity. And I never fucking understood what they meant by that question. To be fair, I mean, that's like 90% of that test. Pretty much. (laughs) It's because I remember like there was things that like, I don't know. I mean, like, like when you actually when you have to like really think on like any type of like personality test like that, I kind of think it's not good. You know what I mean? Like, I kind of feel like at that point, like when, when I really have to think about that, um, and especially when it says like like you know like definitions and stuff like that, right? He's like making peace with the establishment. Like, well, what does that mean, right? Like, does that mean like I, I don't know? Like, does that just mean like embracing their positions? Does it mean something else? Like, it's it's really it's it's a hard one to unpack properly. One hundred percent, and like. There's definitely like discussions of like if you have like a um historical materialist view of politics le- the left right or even the authoritarian libertarian divide in that political compass is facile to use right but at the same time like that question just presupposes like accepting the current order of things and institutions as they currently stand is synonymous with maturity in some capacity. I'm like, I, what, what, if, what if the order you're in is unjust, you know? <laughs> well, and I mean, on some level, I mean, that's kind of, I've always seen it as sort of like this mainstream edgy view that like, you know, accepting that you can't like change or alter things and just like going with the flow is like a mark of maturity, but it's like, I don't know. I mean, like to me, that's that's such a like cynical view that like you can't even like hope to like accomplish like anything that would actually like bring about positive change. I mean, like I don't know. I mean, the, to me, that's like just like I don't know. Like I, I I just don't really like the idea of like just shutting yourself out completely like that. Yeah, yeah, because it's like it, it's also like illogical at a point, right? Mm-hmm. Like these institutions were put into place; they were not like birthed into the world with us you know what i mean right yeah someone put them in place and if you trust the process of of studying history and you know developing like political consciousness then at at some level you got to be like well okay like if if things were changed in the past they could be changed again what that change looks like that's what we're all arguing about and that's the discourse for you but it's you're you're right that like 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 just accepting the order for what it is as if it's perfect or even worse uh that there's nothing you can do to change it so you might as well like numb the pain or like numb like the frustration you feel from that and proceed it it seems moronic to me now do i have an answer for like how to fix anything no i don't and i'll be honest i'm not a decent theoretician by any stretch of the imagination but i think like the the point there in that question of like is it making peace with the establishment no i think what the mark of maturity is is 
understanding that conditions existed well before you even observed them. That's the real mark of maturity to me. If that even yeah. counts for anything. So you answered no to that question is what you're telling me. Yeah, but that's the thing. Is that's such a stupid question to leave as a yes no too. <laughs> right? Or or like I think I can't remember. Is is it yes no on there or is it like uh, an agreement scale? Like strongly agree to strongly disagree. I don't I don't remember how that one. I think it is a strongly agree to strongly disagree. A little better, but yeah, it's still kind of like again, like what does that mean? I don't know. In- incredibly limited. Oh god. So I mean that that that's basically that, that's basically my take here, right? Is like how how do you recap the year knowing all that? But at the same time, I'd say like you know for the st- first part of the year we were kind of all just passively observing what's happening, and then as of the spring, it was like go on, go forth. So yeah, and and uh, we covered the first item of our of our uh, outline, which was the quote unquote collapse of the pandemic. Next up in the counter, we got the Oscar slap. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly think that you we had a great transition there too, as far as like you know, passively observing things going on. This was like such a weird moment, as like far as was like the cultural zeitgeist. I mean, like the slap itself was strange, right? I mean, that was it was kind of disorienting. Like, what the fuck just but happened? But why like, did it turn into a public debate of morality? How did that happen? Right. That's and that's what I'm talking about. It was just like, is this is there really nothing? better for us to like debate for like weeks than this slap but it was it was just so weird how it became this whole like public debate like oh like black women should be defended uh he was right to slap someone who made a joke about her baldness and whatnot and i mean i don't i mean like was the joke the nicest thing ever no but i mean like is violence like the i mean like i, I don't know i mean like i, I mean I, th- I think there might be some legitimization to like the use of violence for different situations i don't think that was necessarily it i mean i think when people's the people who normally think that like you know people should be def- protected and one i don't think they usually mean like a kind of sassy remark it should be is like you know defcon 3 i think it's you know <laughs> societal structures that put them down i think are the the things that they need to be protected from not like oh how, how of, did this microcosm event become like the totalizing arena of like unaddressed justice and, e- and right. every like public spectacle is turning into that like every 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 little incident every little headline every little trend is like the new battleground to try to find an answer to something that like society has already failed to answer. Yeah. I mean, I I will say, thank God, um, Will Smith and Chris Rock are both black. Cause (laughs) the minute it was, Oh my God. Oh, the discourse (laughs) would be disgusting. would be rancid. Putrid. (laughs) Like, yeah, I mean, I think that I think that limited the scope of as expansive as the scope of this event was. I think that did limit it a bit more. Well, it got it got crazier too because like what it, instead of like a racialized event, it turned into like racialized responses. Yeah, for whatever reason, it's like oh, so like people of color are cool that the slap happened and white people aren't, and it just it turned into like 
because uh, civility and complacence are white values. And I'm like, even if that's true, what does that, what, what does this arena have anything to do with like this highly publicized, but ultimately a microcosm of human relations? Right. Do, yeah, any, do any of us know anything about Will Smith, uh, Jada Pinkett Smith, or Chris Rock? Do any of us? I mean, I've seen them in movies. Okay, outside <laughs> of that, but you've seen them yeah. pretending to be someone else. You're right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I know there's like some marital. I, I wouldn't. I hate. I, I don't want to say issues because I mean, like, whatever. Like, you know, it's celebrity it's gossip. It's celebrity whatever, gossip. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but like, that's that's it. Like, it's just. I, I don't know, man. It's it, it, it's it's like the kind of thing where it's like. We were all just plugged into the matrix that like at one point I was just like, why are we fighting about this? And by the time you ask the question, it's already too late. You've already gotten into a 150 message thread in your group chat. God. You know, I, I will say this. It, I, I don't think the discussion for of that event for me was largely down to memes. And that was about it. It was just sharing memes of like, you know, where you replace stuff, you know, there was the Jojo edit of the slap and, and stuff like that. That was really the level of, I mean, I obviously consumed the engagement and stuff like that, but it was like, I, I didn't, you know, get into like debates over like, if this was like appropriate or whatnot. I mean that, that I have, you know, I still have some brain cells left, you know, that, would indicate that would be a bad idea to do, but give him the medal of honor. If you, if honestly props to you for not engaging any of that nonsense, because it's too late for me. I was way <laughs> too invested in that, that by the time I asked, I'm like, so where, yep. so where do you come down on it? I mean, ultimately <laughs> we're all losers for, for engaging in the debate. That's where I finally come down. on it. <laughs> Like, how did this microcosm of, of, like, limited interpersonal violence become, like, the grand uh, debate on is violence okay? Well, it's funny, too, because I think that, like, on some level, like, I mean, there's, like, an interesting cultural discussion for the event in terms of, like, the fact that, like, the Oscars is such this, like, you know, it's it's for the movie industry, right? It's kind of like this this ultimate staged thing, right? It's yeah, hard script, all that. And when you have, like, this moment of just, like, unscripted, like, thing, like, that, like, it's interesting, right, that it's, like, that's something that went off the rails, right? That, like, you had this, and it kind of raises questions about, like, you know, oh, like, you consume this content normally, you know, in movies, movies that both of these guys have starred in, um... It, but you know, seeing it in real life is just so shocking, especially in such a minor way, right? Like, I mean, it's—I'm sure they've both endured far worse violence on other occasions. But yeah, I don't know. It's—it's—it's—it was just weird that it became this like grander cultural thing, and, and just the intensity of responses to. Mm -hmm. like, when we're talking about the slap, like he almost killed somebody. I'm like. There Why? were people who reacted the way, the way you would expect, like, if they were personally slapped or their wife was personally insulted. I'll tell you the dumbest thing I said. I said, like, because the, I, did, I did engage in some of that where it's like, oh, so if I stood up for my wife, you'd be upset with me. I'm like, Why, wait, why am I doing that? But I think the worst thing I said was, 
Oh, so you're okay with the slap? Oh no, like oh, what I said was um, so you have a problem with the slap, but giving money to to Ukraine for another war is okay. Sure thing. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> what? What? What am I doing here? Why, why? Yeah, that's that's a bit of a reach. Uh... <laughs> now, now I'm just combining things that don't even add up. Like. <laughs> I am not perfect. I am not without sin. I am I am actually as stupid as anyone else, but <laughs> very very dark times when this is what everyone was talking about. And it's like it was it would have been okay if this was only for one night. It kept going on for like a week and a half. Well, that's probably underplaying it. <sighs> yeah. Actually, you know what? There's still one more day left in the year. We we could bring it back. Let me let me let me just look up hashtag the slap real quick. I hope it's like shocking happens at this year's uh, this upcoming year's Oscars. Oh my god! Uh, I I'm just gonna send this to you. We're not even gonna address it. Let's. Oh my god. Oh god. I'm not even. I'm not even gonna bring it up. Okay. <laughs> okay. Le- leaving that one in the wind. Uh, concurrently, we also had the conflict kickoff in Ukraine between uh, the brave rebel leader Zelensky and the imperialist tyrant uh, Vladimir Putin. Uh, yeah, i i have I have to say, like, I, I my my final take is I just didn't want a conflict to happen. I don't celebrate conflict happening anywhere. Oh my I god, like... I just I just looked at the thing you sent me. Oh my god. <laughs> I'll put it in the show notes maybe, but Oh I just... my god. Alright, yeah. Yeah. You're fine, you're fine. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's just like the way that like a certain class of well well just to, to address the conflict, right? Is like we didn't even get directly involved aside from like existing our regime of sanctions cranking up a conflict that was already like the product of diplomatic tensions and creating a conflict when there shouldn't have been one. Uh, But then to top it off, like it's also very gross that a certain kind of politics watcher or poster on the internet has turned this conflict into a way to um, play out some kind of like, war of civilizations fantasy they might be having and i just i don't know i i have not kept up with news on this conflict because from the jump i've been like this should have never happened i don't like it when uh people take joy in violence i really don't like it when um, you know there was a disturbing sense of like people really like kind of you know getting the rocks off to this um and you know like i like on some i don't know it's it's a weird one, right? Where it's like, I don't think you can really like, I don't know, because it, it's such a weird conflict where I feel like there's really like different, like it's like, there's no like clear spot on the political aisle that I think people really take, like that the, the people who support the war or oppose the war, or whatever, take, right? Like, because it's like, you know, some people who are against it, right? I mean, there's some people who are just kind of just universally against conflict, but I think a lot of them have kind of fallen trapped to like this idea that like, I don't know. They, they, they fall into like that. Like, and I, I don't want to dismiss any criticism 
of the war as like Russian propaganda. But I think a lot of people do tend to fall into it, right? That it's like, oh yeah, well, like it was part of Russia at one point. And it's like, just because you're against like, I, I like, I don't, I don't see like, if you're, if you're against us imperialism, you should just be against all imperialism. Well, uh, and, in my and opinion. The, well, here's the top it off to, right? It's like, I feel like there might be like someone parroting like the Kremlin line, but like, yeah, that person is fundamentally powerless. And I really think that all Americans are powerless when it comes to things like foreign policy, because right. Yeah. They, those decisions are made without. Well, and I think it's, I think it's the thing that we're the most tuned out of as well. Right. I think right. Like, on average, if you ask like, you know, someone like, you know, here's two candidates, like, and not and this is kind of a simplification of it. Right. But like, this is their foreign policy views. That's probably not going to be what determines their vote one way or the other right like they might have an opinion on that they might voice or, or like articulate you know some talking point about like oh you know that policy but that's never really the what's going to make or break their politics right it's you know far down on their list of priorities um both in terms of like who they're going to vote for and just like in their daily life like what policies do they think about oh no 100 percent. like the these these institutions are also just unaccountable to us the information mm. that's out there is pretty limited because it's like, do you trust uh, any U.S. media outlet when it comes to coverage of another country? That could be fraught. Do you trust that country's media outlets? That's also fraught. Yeah. And I'm just kind of of the mind that, like, really my final take on any foreign conflict is, like, the only country that you can really criticize effectively is your own because you know everything that's wrong with it because you've lived sure. there. You don't really know about other places in the world unless you've lived there. And unless you have, you know, I tend to, I tend to be hush about it. And then it's like trying to write off, like, I don't know, China's one that like people are trying to write off. Is China good? Is China bad? Is Russia good? Is Russia bad? I mean, well, yeah. And I think with China, it's, it's, incredibly like intellectually dishonest in a lot of ways like i've seen like and, and again like go back to covid like their initial response to it is seen as draconian and awful but their current response of essentially letting the pandemic there uh, which is very much active get almost completely out of hand um and you know hospitalize thousands of people kill thousands of people they're also it's also because they're totalitarian and awful so it's like they do the policy you want them to do the terrible and like it's just again it's like it's their people are I, I think china's one where people really are just out to like hate them no matter what right right and it's it's another thing too like in in my analysis of this conflict specifically um i don't i mean i i don't like either player here like putin has crushed down like actual communist movements in russia so he's no friend to me um Zelensky has not addressed the fact that there's neo-Nazis in the Ukrainian armed forces. Who who are you supposed and, to stand and, in this one? No one. And to be to be in his defense somewhat, I mean like I get like in that kind of a I mean if you're in a desperate armed conflict to like protect your country, are you going to be that picky about who's with you? And yeah, you kind of need to be like in the long run, right? But in the short run, I do understand that there's you know you kind of have to accept it but yeah you're right like there's they're both um questionable actors in different ways yeah definitely like the thing that americans do where they're like 
we need to name one of these as the hero and one of these as the villain. I'm like, I don't think you have to do that in any conflict, period. And also, I mean, it kind of just, like, it's funny, like, it kind of goes to, like, a fun juxtaposition with the slap is, like, we almost treat it less seriously than the slap. And, like, because <laughs> like, it's, like, it's like you know, like, choose your hero, choose your villain, like, you know, like, it's like you're picking a route in a video game or something, right? Like, oh, this is, like, Command and Conquer 4, like, this is, like, which is just a bizarre and really perverse way of looking at it. I mean, you're you're 100% right there, and it's like, you know, what has what has really happened at the end of the day other than, you know, we basically are selling weapons to both sides at this point. If those weapons aren't being used in that conflict, they're cropping up in other places in the world where they're making situations worse. And if that's not happening, you know, regardless of what side of the conflict an American will nominally say they're part of, it's... It's empty and hollow entertainment for the worst kind of political observer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's just pure death drive, pure gross, just not, none of this should be celebrated. None of this should be um, joked about. It should be taken with just a, a measured sense of like disappointment and seriousness, but there's just something very facile to how it's played out, if that makes sense. And yeah, we can, and we can't even, you know, even address because like there, there is no fucking like solidly anti-war or organized anti-war sentiment anymore. If it did exist, it's basically funneled it back into the Democratic Party. And then no matter how solidly you were like, fuck Russia, fuck Ukraine, this, the conflict should stop. Guess what? you're still watered into whatever policy prescription the Democrats were going to give. And that's how you get that. What was that stupid scandal that happened like a couple months ago where like Sanders and the squad were basically trying to justify like a vote to uh, renew funding for Ukraine or something like that. Um, I mean, there was a recent vote on that too. I don't think that was the particular one. I think it was a different funding bill. Um, I could be wrong. I, I think it was the worker. It was the rail rail worker strike. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I don't think it was. It was uh only some members of the squad, about like half of them. Okay, and and again, we've talked in the past on how like the squad is already just a kind of a nothing burger with the way that it's uh random people kind of thrown together to vaguely gesture at progressivism, but each member of it is uniquely different and not even on the same agenda if that makes sense well i mean maybe the same agenda more broadly but not you know yeah not on every item yeah oh gosh okay um we've got these are these are all disparate i'm gonna try to see there's probably no way to segue to each one i mean i have climate changed as like the next item I guess more broadly, we can kind of speak to like one, the bizarre flood events when there was the the massive floods in um, Pakistan earlier this year, oh, massive yeah. flood events in Kentucky, heat wave in India. Um, and even, I mean, just more recently, the recent polar vortex that happened this year. Right. Yeah. I mean, there was, you know, the hurricanes that were a little more, uh, Powerful in their magnitude than before, too. I mean, yeah, I mean, this is 
again, it's sort of this ongoing thing. We're not doing anything really to address it. And some of it, I mean, like, it's like, you know, is there really like a proper prescription to some of these things, right? I don't necessarily know. Like, I don't know. It, it, it's it, it's like the ongoing tragedy that like we'll be discussing every year until uh, we're no longer here, probably. <laughs> I mean, I, definitely like climate grief, climate anxiety, whatever you want to call it, like was one thing that was clouding my worldview on some of this stuff, right? But I'm not sure how to say something that we've already like kind of i mean we've eaten this horse to a pulp at this point right that like economic and environmental policy are like more intertwined than conventional ways of thinking would have you believe and there has to be a major reckoning with how you even run a society do you have like the same consumer conveniences and like uh, creature comforts that you've come to expect from society that you, you know, can you still have those or do you have to radically rethink what that even means? And can you, I don't know. I saw um, this somewhat unrelated, but I saw this one post recently about how um, in France, they're trying to turn Paris into like a 15 minute city. Right. Yeah. Um, So like kind of, localizing as much as possible right and dude the american responses to that post were wild they were all about this is a way to like control people uh take away their cars take away their livelihood you know you name it um it's you know these like any to any attempt to like sort of make like things more convenient in that way is seen as an affront to so many people and it's it's insane like i i don't necessarily know like even how you begin because like as you said like all these things are like integrally linked economically right anything that you can do to sort of um you know recalibrate the econ economic structure to be more you know egalitarian be more environmentally friendly is just met with such like open hostility from people who like i, I don't know if it's just so much of just like how like we ingrain certain ideas into us or where they come up with it, but it's you could say these people are gaslit in the greenhouse. Yeah, like exactly, right? I mean, we saw the line, you know, there there it is. There it is. <laughs> I I mean maybe like I'll have more pro- like, you know, I'll have newer ways to phrase this in the coming year, or maybe I'll find ways to supplement what I've already been saying, but the bottom line is like, you know, if the target is to try to reduce emissions by 2025, you're not going to achieve them the way things are going right now with the kind of assumptions you're making about how, what, what comes standard with your economy, with the kinds of people that you prop up. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, people can talk about Elon Musk saving the world all day. It doesn't change the fact that Teslas aren't really doing anything to cut back on on our current problems. It doesn't change the fact that our system is predicated on exploiting people in the third world, exploiting all kinds of animals, exploiting uh, the ecosystems and plant life of this planet. You know what I mean? And yeah. 
until people stop gaslighting themselves in the greenhouse. That's just, and that's the term I'm going to use because <laughs> you're just, you're just, you're so willfully, you've already been indoctrinated by the system in a way, right? But because it doesn't come with the authoritarian brainwashing and uh, gulags and all the shit you're scared of, you think you came to that conclusion of your own will. But I mean, guess what? You're defending a system that you yourself are miserable in. What 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 logical sense is there other than the fact that because you think you have a leg up on someone, you'll continue to defend that leg up even though you're getting screwed over just as much as anyone else? And that's that's kind of how I feel about first world American life. It's it's pure death drive at at its at its finest. I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I'm not trying to be black pilled. <laughs> it, it sounds like that, but like no, I I do believe in like the human will. I do believe that like people can do good things when they're like incentivized to do so and when people can build faith in one another. I do I genuinely do believe that. But if you look at how modern American life is structured, we're all fucking alienated. Um we're incentivized to be greedy, we're incentivized to be self serving. We're all miserable. We know we're miserable, but changing things is either too scary or it's too inconvenient. And no one wants to yeah. let the great, you know, it's like, who's going to be the first one to give up uh, their luxuries? I'll be brave and admit I, I'm not giving up the Coke freestyle machine. You can pry that from <laughs> my cold, dead hands. Maybe you can you can pry it away from me, but you, you get what I'm saying, right? It's like. There's so much that needs to happen at an interpersonal as well as like a macroeconomic scale to address problems like climate change. But until, until I guess, I don't know, maybe 2023 is the year we don't just gaslight people in the greenhouse. We, we, we literally shatter the, the glass panels of it. I, don't, I think it's I think it's time to be burned alive in the greenhouse. <laughs> I think that maybe. might be where we're approaching. Maybe, maybe. I mean, if if not in the greenhouse, you know this the, this planet may become inhospitable for all of us one day. And I, for one, welcome our new octopus overlords. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. we'll see. But yeah, that's it, definitely not a um, not a fun note this year on climate change. It's it's not a it's not a fun note. But but you got to remember, right? That like. If this if this does upset you, you're still human. It's when you start numbing yourself to the pain that like you're delving into the realm of the inhuman. That little spot of you that's sad, hold on to it. It means something. All right, that's 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 enough sincerity. The, I, I need to get back <laughs> into the ironic shit. Okay. Um, remember that one week where like governments and uh world leaders were just like exiting left and right? Yeah, I mean it was more than a week, but yeah, it was um Yeah, we did have like one episode where it was kind of like we crammed in a bunch of it, right? I mean the uh the like going through everything that you have listed, the Sri Sri Lanka government collapse, that was a little bit more under the radar. Haiti had a similar issue. Then you had Shinzo Abe, the former prime minister of uh, Japan, uh, get assassinated by a homemade shotgun, which, man, that's just, I, 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 I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, 
I, I don't know why that event was just so like comedic in the way it was like handled by everyone. Like the only person who took it like seriously was of all people Donald Trump. Um, <laughs> Uh, this wasn't that week, and we didn't have it on the outline, but of course you had, you know, Pelosi's uh, husband getting attacked with a, a fucking hammer of all things. That was also just ridiculous, yeah. Yeah, like, and, and again, it's like, it's like one of these, like, right-wing nuts, like, you're all about Second Amendment, where the fuck was your gun? Like, you know, not like, not saying that it should have escalated further, but like, you would, you would think that would be, if I'm gonna go to someone's home with the intention of, you know, ending their life i'm gonna bring something a little bit deadlier than a hammer not an actionable threat by the way just to clarify to listeners just <laughs> i'm just in the, saying in, in, the, in the minecraft in the minecraft yeah yeah um of course the uk government just you know disaster uh boris johnson resigns liz truss is there for like a week two weeks maybe then she's gone uh the queen died um, everyone turned on the royal family as a whole, uh, right? I mean, like, Charles, like, just kind of came across, like, a bit of a, you know, kind of a rich snob, and, I mean, there's, I don't know if you've, god, that, that might be getting a little too into, like, the, uh, entertainment sphere, but, like, you have, like, you know, the documentary from right, right. Harry and Meghan, where it's, like, kind of, uh, again, another bit that's, like, oh, man, like, these royals kind of suck, and it's, like, I don't know. It, it, it's just weird where it's like. <sighs> I, I don't know if anyone has seen that documentary or not. I have actually. I, I did watch part of it. Okay. Okay. So like, I don't, I don't know if you got the sense or not, but like, was Harry like dancing around the, did the Royal family kill Di- princess Diana? Wink, wink, wink. Like he was, he never said it out loud, but I'm there's, like, there was a number of things in that documentary that I think they were largely from Harry, but there was a lot of things where he, they suggest they put like the sprinkling of certain ideas and conspiracies in there and they don't follow through. There was another one that I was thinking of too, where it was like, Oh, I think it was like when they were talking about like the leaks where it's like, you know, dad's like, I'm going to need that in writing. And then it like, Oh, I don't want it to write it down because it'll leak. And he's like, no, I need it in writing. And then it immediately leaks. And it's like, there was like all these things where it's like, they're suggesting that like, a lot more nefarious things are happening than what they're just saying, which is already not good. I mean, if he really wanted to be pilled, he could have been like, huh, UK tabloids, wonder who was involved with this. Oh, is that Ghislaine Maxwell's dad? Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Is he actually, like, one I of mean, the people? Ghislaine Maxwell's dad, I think, owned that one publication, The Sun. Let me just... Oh, okay. And I know, like, this, The Sun is a paper that, like, is just, it, it's not even just, like, a right-wing rag. It's, like, all, all manner of, like, uh, royal slander, and then, like, let me, let me just make sure. What publication? He also had News of the World. I don't know, but like, okay, so Maxwell acquired Mirror Group newspapers, the publisher of six newspapers, including the Daily Mirror, News of the World, and The Sun. Yep. Yep. Man, it's all... I mean, and you, 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 you already know, like, you could start getting really schizoid with that. I was like, wait a minute. Just like Maxwell's dad. 
her Prince Andrew. Jeffrey Epstein, Prince Andrew. Oh, no. (laughs) Elon Musk. Uh, Dear God. I just... I mean, if he he was about it, he should have, but... Like, I don't know, with with Harry and Meghan, it just kind of seems like they've had several opportunities to kind of, like, cash in a media career, and they've been very about how they go about it, but, again, starting with, like, the Oprah interview, with their, like, million, multi-million dollar deal with Spotify for a podcast that fell through, and then now the documentary, I mean, as far as escaping the royal family goes, pretty profitable. Good on them. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily buy the idea that like they escaped purely to make money. Which of course I, not. Of which course is like not. what That's they, which what is saying. like what's accused of what, but it's like which is just wild to me. There was that one article. Um, I can't remember where it was, but like it was about like how it was like oh this was the year that uh people decided they were done with narcissists, and it was like you know Trump, uh Elon, and then it had like Meghan Markle on there. I'm like, what? Like, are we really going to put her in, like, the same, like, caliber as, like, these guys? There's something so bizarre about royal watching. Like, Americans do royal watching at, like, at a certain level. I'm like, it's weird when we do it. But then British people have, like, this. I think it's, I think it's weirder there because, like, you know, we we were, you know, kind of, like, again, back to, like, the slap and, like, our, like, fascination with celebrities. It's like there because it's like institutionalized. It would be yeah. like if, you know, Chris Rock and Will Smith were like part of this like elite family that like and we just saw them like it would be like if you saw the queen slap Prince Philip yeah. in public. And, and and like like that's like that's the weirder thing to me is that it's like it's such this archaic concept and like there's so many people who like just buy into it right it's like it would be like if we just like had like taxpayer funded celebrities who we just held up in certain roles that were like largely performatory but yeah maybe that's what we need to do in america like maybe (laughs) who who is our like uh taxpayer funded like star couple that we just like parade around star couple ooh, uh well it's not joe and jill i'm sorry to say um it's i guess it's, i guess it's brock and michelle right i mean they're probably the most popular public couple in america i mean i don't i assume they get some because, cause, yeah because like chop chapo trap house has done this like gag where it's like oh he like a rotating cast of celebrities like Dwayne the rock johnson or whatever i'm like no <laughs> no i think you should keep them separate but you need like just one family they put in that like everyone gets to put in like an inordinate amount of their short time on this planet following. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I don't know. I mean, like no, nothing like because even like the Obamas, I was like that. They gotta be like the closest thing. But I'm like even then, I'm not that sure that they even like compare. Right? Like I don't. You don't hear about them being like you know, just swarmed by paparazzi the minute they you know exit their doorway no i think if anything you have like people projecting their ideas of romance and relationships onto barack and michelle if anything i think if you want like dynastic politics playing out yeah like the kennedys the kennedys the bush family is a real place to look at it but again because 
H.W. Bush, the Yaley that he was, knew, like, you know, like, him being, like, from the Northeast was going to get him in trouble. So him and his and his two and his two sons like jug hooting as much as they did to seem folksy. Yeah. And then uh Jeb became a little too folksy and it wasn't uh wasn't gonna fly <laughs> with the voters. <laughs> no, I mean he was re- he was revealing his hands there like that's that's not a southern boy right there. That is a clammy handed <laughs> New England some bitch if I ever seen one. <laughs> right. God, I just Again, the the entire Bush family being from Connecticut is so amusing <laughs> to me. It really Knowing is. that just them being Yaleys and like Skull and Bones members, like I I don't want to be like. There's a way people talk about conspiracies and conspiracy culture in America that's very like gauche and like you don't you don't want to come across as like Alex Jones. Never, you never <laughs> want to come across as Alex Jones. That's our reinvention for next year. Yeah, Going yeah. Hard, like, folks, the Democrats are coming for you, ladies and gentlemen. Black helicopters have been spotted. Um. Anyways, <laughs> like, is anyone else like worried about what these guys get up to? What? What? Why do Skull and Bones members like? Have the skull of Geronimo allegedly? What what is that about? That's a good question. Oh, I'm not gonna get into like the whole like imagining what they get up to because that's just it's it makes me queasy thinking about that shit, even if it's true or not. But at the same time, like, does no one have like the remotest sense of curiosity about like, huh? So people have all this wealth and all this prestige and the get into all these positions of influence that doesn't sound suspicious to you at all in a country that's supposed to be a democracy well when we've uh conceded that you know money equals speech then the doors are open for anything we've already conceded that money equals speech and like if george santos has proven anything you don't even need the pedigree anymore oh I guess we should have, when we were talking about disingenuity in the uh, Republican Party, we should have talked about the way that the Bush family tried to reinvent themselves as Southern. I mean, I mean that, that, that could be a whole nother <laughs> video, there's, right? There's I mean, that's... so much, there's so much so, like you could do as like a, if, if we did like an investigative series on the Bush family, oh my god. Oh man. I couldn't even begin. Okay. I mean, coming up next from the Queen fucking died, we've got the 2022 midterm elections. I mean, we did two episodes on them. We did two episodes <laughs> on it. Part of me was worried, like, does George Santos change, like, our overall conclusions? I mean, I would say not really. I mean, like, it's it's weird. I mean, I guess, like, it, it kind of adds, like, this interesting note, right? That, like, this is... Like, I I mean, I guess it raises some of the question that, like, you know, a lot of scholars were like, oh, candidate quality mattered. And I'm like, well, clearly here, I mean, I guess he came across as a quality candidate, right? I mean, he built this fake resume that made him seem <laughs> like he was stacked, but he wasn't. Um, it, it really makes me wonder, like, how none of that came up in, like, opposition research or anything. Like, do they just, like, shit the bed like just intentionally like yeah like that's just run a normal campaign no need to look into this guy i don't know i mean it's it's really strange but 
I mean, I would say the 2022 elections overall, like, I mean, this was kind of like, I think it was building up a lot of dread and whatnot. And I think it was kind of nice that it was, you know, not completely horrible um, overall. I mean, Democrats lost the House, but I don't think it was, you know, it was definitely by less than expected. And I think that was, it was sort of this kind of positive highlight news wise this year. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, I think people have been so desperate for the Democratic Party to do anything bordering the bare minimum that, like, we're finally getting it. And it's to the point where it's like, okay, do I even look this gift horse in the mouth, forgetting that it's not even a horse? (laughs) Right, yeah. Yeah, nothing new to add with the 2022 election. Uh Next up, we got the World Cup. I didn't I mean, watch it. I was I wasn't watching either. I was just <laughs> I was just checking out what countries were up to what. Um, it was. I, I feel like it got. It was kind of a weird, like cultural moment as far as just like. I felt like the level of attention to it. It felt like it was something that maybe I should have been watching just because of like. I don't it know. Generates it generates discourse. It does generate discourse. Yeah, it it was weird and like. Especially considering, like, all these people you know have, like, never watched a game of soccer in their lives in a lot of cases uh, prior to the World Cup. It's just really weird. <laughs> I think definitely there were, like, a lot of good memes going around for sure. I think it's, I was personally a little disappointed that Morocco didn't make it to the finals, but then those Argentina versus France memes, oh my god. <laughs> Especially when people were flowing the whole, like, I don't know, Lionel Messi might have some uh, SS escapees in his bloodline there. And I'm like, well, he is playing for Argentina. <laughs> I think I think the one thing that gets missed in, in this, or, like, it was getting addressed, um, but um, it just it just kind of fell off, right? Is, like, the amount of, like, human suffering that went into building all these stadiums. Yeah, I mean, it's something that's like come up a few, t- like a few times with like the Olympics, where it's like, like a few where it's like they go through like this like homeless purge, uh, to like you know clear the way to like build these, you know, yeah. build the infrastructure and stuff like that. And yeah, I mean, same deal here. It's like yeah, no, okay. So no, are we are we putting sanctions on Qatar? We're not. Oh no. Oh man. <laughs> I'm also just uh, just trying to make sure we don't miss a couple things either. Uh, I think we did make a a gag about Mikhail Gorbachev's death. Yeah, I almost forgot about that one. I'm trying to think what else. World population surpassed 8 billion people. Shout out to the 8th 8 billionth person that's listening to the show, hopefully. I hope a, a fresh baby is not listening to a podcast. Oh my god! <laughs> I why not? Right, just like you know, let them passively consume content. <laughs> oh, there was also the uh, Castillo uh, like office removal in Peru. That was a weird thing that happened. Yeah, you also there was the was it the Brazilian election? The Brazilian election, yeah. Um, Jair Bolsonaro lost that. Uh, and apparently he's on the way to Florida. I don't know when that is, but and the what, I guess like I mean, what is 
what does this say about Florida, right? Is it just like the go-to? The, the highest the concentration for... of Hitler particles are in Florida. <laughs> right? Like I don't I don't know, man, because it's like if you've I don't Florida is a fun enough place where like especially like common everyday people in Florida don't seem to be like the base like bizarre Nazi-esque like right-wing shit you see in Florida. But I think it's just like the combination of like uh, snowbird and retiree communities, the amount of real estate capital, and then combine that with like the whole um, Cuban emigre network and everything. Like it just it has become this bizarre right wing project. Yeah, I think that's a good way to describe it. It's like I I don't personally know that many people from Florida who are like, yeah, this this is like this is DeSantis's demographic. Um, but like, so like, yeah, it's like it's it's like a weird disconnect. But like, you do have enough of those like groups that uh, yeah, it's just one of those things. Definitely, I think you know, if we have to have some kind of national program in the United States, we should have birthright trips for every American, but to specifically go to Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Also, we missed this. Let's probably mention this. Um, The National Ignition Facility did achieve um, fusion ignition, which is a major milestone in the development of nuclear fusion power. So are we in the reality where Gundam happens? Let's see. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's going to be a a bit of a ways away before they're able to uh, miniaturize that. but yeah, I mean that, that being said, I mean I don't I don't know if the Gundam timelines really it. Any of the Gundam <laughs> timelines are really ones that I would want to live in personally. I mean, they're not. Uh, I think you you haven't watched them closely enough if you think that they are. Um. No, not at all. If if anything, if you if if people like us were born in the uh, Gundam timelines, we'd either just be like in the one faction that's like making us like entirely miserable or just like in the privileged faction and just like driven mad by guilt like <laughs> if, if, you, if you were in like the what is it the anostella timeline that's the current one i would probably yeah. be in the space contingency and i would just be like torn apart by like how much or even worse you would just be like the most ignorant person with your privilege you never know right i mean i'm sure like that's you know kind of like i think a lot of um not just Gundam, but I think a lot of like the fictional um, dystopian type things, right? I mean, you're kind of kept usually in line with just like ignorance, right? Like you don't necessarily know the awful things that are being done to um, not even necessarily maintain your way of life, but like, you know, behind the scenes, uh, maybe under the guise that it's maintaining your, like your, you know, your current lifestyle. I mean, there it is. Like be- being gaslit in the greenhouse is the societal norm, as yeah. opposed to the exception from the norm, right? Like you are, you are in the gas house. You are being gaslit every day of your life. And it, I guess I don't know. Like at some level, maybe we should talk about how do you break out of that. But at the same time, like that's a deeply personal process. It involves a lot of reading, a lot of learning, a lot of active learning and unlearning. Well, I think, you know, we've we've kind of been uh, approaching this topic enough that I think maybe we should uh, 
get right into it. I mean, speaking of people who have broken free from the Matrix, Elon Musk. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Where do, <laughs> where, where do I begin with this cretin? Where do I... I mean, for starters, what's always bugged me about Elon Musk is the fact that he stole Tesla's name, right? Nikola yeah. Tesla, as a scientist and as a thinker, was kind of utopian in some of his conceptions. He was very much like someone who wanted literal power to the people. Like, he mm-hmm. want, this, this approach to uh, self-serving individualism and uh, capitalist mediocrity that Elon Musk, like, characterizes, right? Like, that's someone who Nikola Tesla wasn't. And yeah. just just knowing that like he was facing off with like the Elon Musk of his day, Thomas Edison. When Edison was a guy who was basically stealing patents and selling them under his name, right? Uh-huh. That's the kind of guy he was. Um, and come to think of it, you know, alternating current was Tesla's idea. Batteries that was fucking Edison's. There's something I, I don't know. There's something satanic about the way Elon Musk has stolen Tesla's name that has always irked me and it's like one of those things that i just sound like a raving lunatic right now bringing that up that you i don't even know how you bring that to people but i mean i mean at what point did you realize like okay this guy's a fraud like he is not this iron man genius he's selling himself as this guy is like definitely a fraud what at what point did you? i I don't I don't know when, like, that exact, like, wake-up moment was. I mean, I, I guess I've always been, like, a little skeptical of him. Um, I, I honestly, like, it was... Um, like, I mean, obviously I was always aware of him, like, as long as, like, you know, the Tesla thing's been going and whatnot, but, uh... There was a documentary I had watched, which I think was largely there to, like, kind of promote him, but he just came across as, like, really disingenuous through it. And, like, he was, like, kind of, like, ripping people off and things like that, which was yeah. kind of done in more of, like, this, like, through the lens of, like, capitalism, ripping people off, right? Like, screwing investors and stuff like that. But, um, I, you know, I was always cynical of him. But, like, just any, like, level of, like, well, you know, like, maybe he's making some important advances, right? was kind of just dismissed this year where it was just like I mean obviously like the big story this year of course is him acquiring Twitter uh which was like a joke for like half the year and then a sober reality for actually I don't even know if it's a sober reality it's it, I'm so mixed on it right because I think like he's de- he's definitely done horrible things to the platform but like it's the spectacle of it is like undeniably entertaining yeah um like, just, you know, everything, like, you know, all these, like, policy changes, some of which have lasted, like, a single day, right? Where he's like, let's let's ban links to any social media platform. Let's get rid of Twitter platform. spaces for a hot second. Like, what was yeah, that? Yeah, because journalists that were banned were using it. Because they, and the, he banned journalists because they were using, quote-unquote, assassination coordinates uh, because they, like, had retweeted something from the Elon's Jet account, which he had previously said he wouldn't ban. Um, I, I mean, for me, like, and, and I, I don't know. I mean, it's like I feel like you know his his fans and whatnot are have always been cringy. I think they're worse now just because it's like, I mean, some of them will just like bold face just say like, "Oh no, he's like only pretending to be stupid," because um, this is just next level. Like, <laughs> I, I think twenty twenty two has been a year where you like where I've also just understood the process of dick riding for what it is. 
when you see people dick ride for Elon like that, like it, there's something very sobering of like, wow, I've acted like this before, haven't I? And like you think about all the times like you've rode for somebody who like was worthless or like uh like the quality of the work they were claiming to put out never actually like amounted to much and stuff right but then you also just recognize that like i mean dick riding is another form of being gaslit in the greenhouse where it's like kind of is yeah you're like you're clearly being ripped off by this guy he doesn't care about you but like the personal validation you get from the fantasy that this guy would be interested in anything you have to say or counter the fact that you feel like he represents you as a person. I mean, I was going to say, to be fair for the uh, interest in what you have to say, I have seen some of the accounts he replies to. And like there, if you're like one of his dick riders, he might stumble on your content. Like he, he like, this is like, I know I have problems with probably being online a bit too much. This guy takes it to like a whole new level. And like we've seen, you know, speaking of the Tesla name, hey, you know, if it if that stock drops anymore, you might just be able to buy the whole company out from under him. Um, Tesla wasn't even his company. Tesla was not never his true, company yeah. to begin with. He just came in and like, yeah, that's true. Another thing to mention about Tesla, by the way, is like the fact that like have you seen all those videos of like people like talking about how like shittily built a Tesla car is, and someone will yeah. come in in the comments and say, well. Actually, it's good that they do that. You know what I mean? And like a blatant, mm-hmm. old faced lie that doesn't even benefit them or Elon for that matter. I mean, I will admit, it, I have been in a Tesla and it was a pretty nice vehicle. It but didn't fall apart. Did the door handle that? No, like, no okay. I mean, but it's all, it's, and it's weird because like the only person I know, well, I, I guess I know a few other people maybe, but like this person has never had an issue with his car, but like everyone else has. Um, so it's, it's just wild that like, it's, I guess it's just like inconsistency, which is pretty American when you think about it. Well, well that, and it's like the economy for scale in the way that Tesla's work, right? Like, I don't know if you've heard like the different reports that have come out mm-hmm. of like different Tesla factories and like working conditions and how they're like these 24 hour rushes to fulfill orders and things like that. They don't run the same kind of tight ship. And this is, and this is not to endorse the auto industry. This mm-hmm. is not to say that like General Motors has like got the game figured out. Yeah, they have not. Dick Rhyme GM now. I'm dig- again, <laughs> again. Oh, a fellow from Southeast Michigan, Dick Rodden for the auto industry. Who would have thought? But uh, <laughs> but at the but at the same time, right? It's like you know these big like enterprises like General Motors, like Ford, have built up to the economy of scale required for building consumer vehicles. Tesla, at best was never meant to be anything more than a novelty car. Mm -hmm. And you're starting to see this with like now, like general motors and Ford have consumer grade, like electric vehicles with accident rates, far lower and far more, far less catastrophic than some of the Tesla accidents we've heard about. Right. Mm -hmm. So there, so there's that angle to it. And then there's the other fact that like Tesla's whole business model isn't even based on uh selling their vehicles it was on like getting carbon credits right. from other manufacturers and the whole business shtick for tesla was to be um kind of like basically it's like license out the autonomous driving software they've been saying they have for years now 
and you know like it basically just like get like residuals for it but they of course they haven't ironed that out like and and even like uh if you l- hear about some of these reports of um accidents caused by self-driving text teslas it's basically glorified steering assist you know what i mean yeah so i, I mean all, all this goes to show that like there's there's a what tesla's really selling here aside from credit and aside from novelty cars is is a feeling not to not to like you know rip off of the Mad Men like famous speech here right but so mm-hmm. what what is tesla really selling here what and more importantly like this loose like game of credit that elon keeps like using to inflate his worth What's to say that like buying Twitter wasn't like a way to keep that credit flow positive for the time being until he finds another way to keep himself out of hot water? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he did try to back out of it, but like it's I mean, it's so weird. And just like I mean, that that poll with like, you know, do you want me to like step down? And like it's like just a resounding yes. And like. While he's like, with Jared Kushner and, and he's in the yeah. with like the Saudis and at the World Cup, very yeah. weird thing. Very weird thing. Yeah, and it's just like weird. And like all these people were like, "Well, like he, this is like just you're you're like playing into his game." Like I don't know. I I, I just don't buy. Like everyone just like everything he does is just like you know motivated by some hidden genius. I don't buy it. Um, like I don't like. I used to think he was you know like maybe he was you know not necessarily in it for like holistic means, but you know, cause he's a capitalist, but I thought, you know, that he, at least he had some, you know, designs that were useful, but now I, I just don't buy it like at all. I, I think really he's just, he's just around because certain people need their investments to pay out. You know what I mean? They need to get the residuals off of this as long as they can. And yeah. either he's going to find a way to deliver through like, the bizarre way we're all floating credit to one another these days, or he's gonna come up empty and then and then he's going to disappear under mysterious circumstances. Who's to say? Yeah, I think that's that's fair. Yeah, I mean, just, I don't know. Uh, all in all. Musk is like the perfect character for the age, though, isn't he? Like this kind of fluffed up, very uh, extravagant vision for money to be made and like some kind of technological utopia. But if you give it any serious scrutiny, it's actually just a horror show underneath all of it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's I mean, it's at least a fun ride to be here for. Um, but like, gosh, yeah, I mean, he like it, it, it's, he's he's nothing more really than like a character at this point. Like you can't make up half of the stuff that he does. It's just so. So wild. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I don't know. It's like there is that the emperor has no clothes moment with all the richest men of our time, right? Like, yeah, 
again, like uh, Bill Gates with his like Epstein ties kind of disgracing him from the public eye with uh, Bezos finally making it to the moon and then like divorce dad shenanigans pushing him. Yeah, out I mean, I will. I, I mean, somehow, like, I think Bezos has probably emerged from this the least scathed. Somehow, uh, yeah, yeah, because I mean, like, like Zuckerberg is just—I mean, he's always been like just seen as a complete ghoul, right? Like, yeah, just like uh, you know, some weird robot or alien in human flesh. Um, and now Elon is, you know, <laughs> even less liked. And you know, as he said, you know, Gates has his whole Epstein ties, and is sort of just you know his favorability in general is just kind of tanked. Yeah. But it's like, again, like you need that iconic uh, tech CEO to keep this whole dream going right now, right? And eat every one of them from like Elizabeth Holmes to uh, to Musk has their like series of skeletons in their closet. Just like they're trying to stuff the door and bones keep falling out, basically. In like a Looney Tunes-esque gag. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're just like, hey, what's with that arm sticking out of the closet and a whole swarm of dudes will come out and say, don't don't ask about that. (laughs) It's it's I don't know, it's it's the perfect little portrait of like. The elite of the 21st century, if you want to look at it that way. For sure. Let's see. Also on the list. Let's see. I already mentioned Elizabeth Holmes. This was a uh, point from uh, John. He was he was supposed to make it. Sorry, we couldn't have you on, brother, but uh, we'll have you on eventually. Um, he brought this to our attention, so it's probably worth bringing up the anal beads chess scandal. Yeah. So I had I had heard a little bit about like this chess cheating thing. I didn't realize till more recently. You know how deep uh physically it really went um, <laughs> yeah it's just really weird so i guess there's this guy who uh was like i guess collaborating with others to have like these he had these anal beads that like would vibrate when like like for like indicate like the correct play really weird stuff like i mean the ch- chess is not like a uh, competitive scene that i'm uh particularly interested in following but like this is just kind of like one of those things where it's like just how did he get caught is the question like did people hear it i don't know did his, did his poker face fall apart what happened <laughs> i mean on some level right he's gotta this had to have been like at least somewhat pleasurable for him, right? Like, <laughs> there there had to be some reason he did this, other than just like the discreetness of it. But like, <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that's that that's a commitment to win on a on a level you know unfamiliar to most of us. But I'm 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 pretty sure he got caught because it was it was happening loud enough in the game room. <laughs> right, I mean, it's I, I like imagine it's pretty silence. quiet, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, like drop silence, and then like just that vibrating sound. How? Like, how to... I mean, how deep do they have to be lodged in there to like not hear anything? 
Like, <laughs> I mean, that, that's what I don't know how far up it was in. And also, like, I know, like, like different sports have their like uh, anti-narcotics and like anti. Right. Yeah. Things, right. And I know there's security at events, but like, how do you even check for that? Are they are they about to institute like what cavity searches at chess games? Who's to say? Yeah, we like you know spread those cheeks. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh god! Oh boy! Uh, all I'm saying is like if we if we ever dismantle the TSA as a society, there there was there will still be work. Random selection is is one of the least fun parts of, and honestly, like another thing to talk about is like the way Southwest Airlines almost collapsed like last weekend. Oh yeah, like just another thing that like it kind of flew under the radar, you know, pun not intended, but like it just <laughs> again, like these places are like these like businesses that are just like propped up by like government subsidies and whatnot, and that's like all they've got, you know, going for them. It's it's like I don't know. I guess to add to like the general vibe of the year is like, yeah, things don't work like they used to. Are you gonna let that? How do you come to terms with that? And I think at some level, like the year of um, what was it called? The Great Resignation, right? Yeah. Um, a big like recurring complaint from workers in addition to like workplace issues and like difficulties in them organizing was this like repeat sense of like entitlement and unfair treatment from customers. And part of it is like, what's new about this. But then on the other hand, it's like, if you've ever worked in service before, or like if you've even like been to like a like a restaurant or like a cafe like like during that time and you just see like people losing their shit over the wrong order or like having to wait or just being like unnecessarily like rude to service staff for whatever reason and like that that i i feel like like we talked about with people who are gaslit in the greenhouse this like addiction to being rude to service staff i I don't Mm -hmm. know where that comes up with some people there's there's something pathological about it i feel like it's 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 mostly a boomer it's a boomer phenomenon mostly i I feel like a lot of it's like age related because um i mean there's someone that i know who uh i mean they would cause some issues uh I, i think they used to be a little bit more warranted um but like where like as they've gotten older they've gotten more and more confrontational um so i don't i mean and like they're they're not a boomer but uh you know they're the um they're younger than that but like as they've gotten older like it's it's one of those things where it's like i don't i don't know what it is that just makes like old people grumpy then again you know we're in our 20s and we're kind of grumpy too so (laughs) we just don't take it out on wait staff be patient with government officials. They're working too. 
Oh my god, no, please don't make that DNC propaganda. Oh god, no, please, please, oh, please don't uh, make that happen. Don't make that happen. I've uh, already forwarded this to a Nancy Pelosi. I heard you're be taking over her as her uh PR guy um at the first of the year. Wasn't she resigning? She resigned as leader, but ah, okay, she's okay. she's still around. I, I it was funny because I was thinking like, you know, the I was pretty sure she's she, her days in Congress are probably numbered. I think she'll probably go out the rest of this term, but retire after that. Um Possibly. which you know, I thought she would probably, you know, die in office, and I guess so did her husband's attacker, but Oh god. Yeah, you know, I just didn't, you know. I had no intention of acting on it. I just was like, yeah, she's one of those people who's just, you know, a lifer. <sighs> Dear God, what am I going to do with this show? <laughs> okay. Gotta keep making it. Gotta, you know, yeah. Gotta have the some con- outlet for this stuff. <laughs> the content machine must be fed. So I got a few more points on the outline. I think, um, I don't know. We talked about Twitter collapsing. It has yet to happen, but like this, this, uh, how many views are you getting per tweet feature is, is, is very annoying. Yeah. It, it's, you know, it, I think like mentally it was hard to adjust to like, just like what you're looking at. Cause like it's where comments used to be. Yeah. And like, sometimes like I like, I don't know. Like, I mean, I like reading threads. I don't necessarily want to contribute to them. Uh, sometimes I do, but I like, you know, reading what, what people are saying. And then I'm like, oh, 109 people respond to this. And it's like, oh, no, actually zero people responded to this. Um, and it's like, it's just, and, and I, I, I don't know, it's just like, it doesn't make you feel good about yourself, like seeing like little views and whatnot. And it didn't, it didn't do stuff retroactively either. So like nothing I have has like any views, but yeah, what it is. I mean, it, 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 it definitely is making me like, Okay, so a hundred of y'all saw my tweets and only five of you liked it. What's that about? But yeah, like what's going on? I, I don't know. It just it feels like the perfect Musk thing to add, where it's like because he can't get like the approval he wants in one way, he can always point to like the number of views as like a high score for himself. But I mean, at, at the same time, it's like. There is there is something to be said about like like what what is exactly like the role of social media is supposed to be at this point? Like, are we all just going to keep rehashing these stupid like culture war arguments? Um, are we see, supposed to keep fighting with the same people about the same stuff? Who's to say? But at the same time, like you know, Twitter is one of those places where like all your niche interests you can't talk about in real life, or like you just don't have friends who are into the same stuff. You know, you can talk about them with strangers on the internet. Yeah, you like some kid who someone pops in is like, hey, yeah, like. It, it, yeah. It, it, it is that one thing where it's like, you know, it's definitely harder to put social media down once you start interacting with like different communities. Then it's like, oh, the dopamine's hitting at this point. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, it's interesting because it's like the, the the views are like almost like the anti-dopamine just because it's like, you know, you, you see views and they don't translate to anything else. Um, and I also don't know like what counts as a view, right? Like if I'm just like scrolling through my timeline, is that a view? 
Like, I don't know. I assume it has to be because some of these numbers are rather huge. I refuse to believe that people just clicked on the tweet. You know, know, you know, it's like we all go through different stages of like hyper worry and then like hyper like lack of attention to the algorithm. Mm -hmm. But I think like the one thing that can always be said and should probably always like be in the back of your mind Maybe not like in a paranoid way, but just like in a way that grounds you is like whatever uh, algorithm they're using to run your social media platform is driving the experience to 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 some extent. And yeah, and on, like, on Twitter, it's been pretty fucked. Uh, it's been, it's been especially fucked lately, but like it was never that good to begin with at some point. Right, yeah. but now it's like I, I like it's so boosted towards like right wing folks. Like the minute he bought it, I was already like, it's like, I, I don't follow Lauren Boebert. I don't follow these people, but like, they're always at like the top of my feed now. That's, that's how I felt about YouTube back in the day. Like I would be, I'd be watching like explicit, like, um, you could put on like the Soviet national anthem and then you would get a recommendation for Jordan Peterson for whatever reason. Oh, you like politics. This is also politics. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I I don't know. I guess like at at some level, like there's there's nothing wrong with staying online, but if you can't like disconnect entirely, and especially like with folks like us, we've now signed our souls over to produce c- the content we do. Mm-hmm. I'm not even I'm not even doing it for money. You know what I mean? I'm I'm just doing yeah. it for. For the good of the community at this point. <laughs> like, like at, at some level, like you can't just like produce content in a vacuum. And that's like one of those things where it's like, oh, if Twitter collapses, I'm just not going to get on a new site. But the discourse does happen in online spaces. It's also happening off the Internet. How do you synthesize the two? That's that's something uh-huh. you got to bridge. OK. A couple lighter questions before we get into our little editorial discussion. Um, what are some highlights from this year? And I got films, music, etc. Well, I mean, I mean, professionally, I, I do have to say I got a highlight. You know, I've I got pat, my uh, dissertation proposal defense. I'm a PhD candidate, so one step closer to the degree. I got to teach my first class this year, so like those were all like I'd say highlights of the year. As far as like you know the recreational stuff, um. I finally only got to watch this movie recently, but I highly recommend uh, the unbearable weight of massive talent. Uh, that is the uh, Nicholas Cage. Nick Cage and Javier Pena in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it is. It's very good. Uh, highly recommend it. Um, that's probably like the, the artsiest ish movie I've seen this year. Um, uh, as far as like more like the blockbuster stuff, like I think the Batman movie that came out this year was also very good. Mm. Um, those were probably those would be uh, some of my picks as far as uh films and whatnot and highlights. Yeah, honestly, anything with Pedro Pascal in it, I don't know why I said it. It's, yeah, it was Pedro Pascal. Yeah. Once I saw it was him and Nick Cage, I wanted to see it. I still have yet to get around it. Definitely get around to it. It's oh. uh, it's very good. Like I, I had wanted to like see it a while, and I was like, oh, what streaming service? I'm like, oh crap, I have to pay for it. Uh, but then I got the uh, DVD for Christmas, so I listen. I want. I watched that. Yeah, def- definitely. Movies were back this year. 
Um, like two films I really enjoyed were uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. It's a lot better than reviews are saying it is. I've I've heard it's pretty good. I just haven't gotten around to seeing it. I think for what it's worth, like it for it being like a low budget project and being as entertaining and as like dynamic visually as it is, it's really fun. Mm-hmm. Um also the film um what is it called? Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul was a really funny one. I'm thinking trying to think what else in terms of highlights. I mean I'm reading more, you know. That's good. I'd say I have a better handle on like, you know, mental health shit. So like I feel like I'm doing better, but I am dealing with alienation in the human experience just like everyone else. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um what's something new you got? new um i mean i started uh my second podcast uh monster pop uh that was um probably the biggest new thing i've I've done um you know just kind of and it's weird because i i I still like i still don't really consider myself like a content creator per se but then like when i like did the math like between like the shows i've done with you the shows i've done on that and a few shows i've done with my brother on uh, one of his projects, I was like, I've done a lot this year um, <laughs> for that. Like, I've put out a lot of content into the machine, mm-hmm. um, especially for someone who doesn't really you know, identify it as as, a, as like a full-time thing. But, you know, that's something that I've kind of gotten into more. Um, you know, I can't think if there's any, like, shows or movies or, like, anything else that I, like, really got into that I wasn't before. How about you? Um, probably most newest thing is probably like uh, building Gundam models. I'm just gonna say yeah, that's that. that's true. That's been uh, really I guess it started this year, right? Where you just really got deep into it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's something fun to be, you know, there's something good to be said about doing things with your hands. Um, not not the worst hobby for me to get into, and also just like getting over the hump that some people have with reading. Like I used to read a lot as a kid and then like my go-to excuse, especially after I graduated was I, I read so much I, I that like, it's not fun anymore, but I think the mm-hmm. biggest thing to start reading more is just, just, just pick it up and like be nice to yourself and just go get as far with it as you can. Instead yeah, of reading I, about, yeah, those I, arbitrary numbers. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like one of those things where, like, I mean, reading, um, even gaming, too, to an extent like that, I've been bad about, and just, like, work and research in general, uh, mm-hmm. too, is it's, like, it's kind of hard to, like, really, like, sometimes it just feels overwhelming with the amount of stuff that, like, you have to slash want to do, and it's, like, hard to, like, settle on what to do at a given moment, but, like, once you're able to like get into like that groove, it is it is satisfying to be able to like you know read through a whole book and stuff like that, like and finally get through that and you know commit to doing stuff for sure. And like I, I don't know, I guess like the biggest piece of advice I got for anybody you know coming into next year is like unless you really have a reason to be hard on yourself, don't do it. I think like most people give up on shit because like in addition to like the setbacks with like failing at something they're new with or 
the difficulty of starting a new project, they're also like just going in with like an intense amount of pressure to be perfect or like get it right the first time. And then when it obviously doesn't happen, you know, they'll get mm-hmm. into like the, well, I'm a piece of shit. I'm going to fuck up. I'm never going to do it again. And that's not a recipe for success, folks. <laughs> yeah. That is my unironic advice uh, <laughs> for 2022 and 2023. Um, I guess this has been like something I've been putting off for a second now. But I guess this is probably a good space to maybe like transition into an end with this question, right? Um, and I, I think we tried to do this a couple episodes ago and I left it off the outline, but... I think it's been on like five outlines that that we have done and we just haven't really gotten to it. Yeah, it's 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 a big question to ask, but I guess like, you know, with a year in review and then like facing down the barrel of 2023, maybe it is. Well, into the spirit of 2022, I think we're actually going to end the episode right here and skip this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but all seriousness, let's. Uh... Yeah. I mean, we, we've already gotten like two hours in, so, you know, we're we're definitely ending off the year with another two hour plus episode because we care. We know y'all want yeah. more slop. So, you know, let's let's you know, let's get into this. Um, Because we've talked about like grifters, we've talked about like the bizarre like political journeys that certain figures in media have taken. Right. So let's let's try to maybe divorce politicians or specifically like electoral politics from this space from this question yeah but what is left media supposed to be in 2023 what's our role in not joining the grift and above that is there anyone worthy of praise and anyone worthy of scorn in this space uh well i guess i'm you know kind of curious like you know kind of like who are like the key figures that you think of when you think of like kind of like the left wing or like you know quote unquote left wing grifters like who do you feel like most is like emblematic of this issue so there's there's a lot to unpack with this question right and this is probably why we didn't get into it but like you know especially with the collapse of like uh the socialist party in america with the fact that like whatever you can consider left-wing or progressive has kind of been like chewed up by the democratic party in certain constituencies um and that also just like you know political participation is somewhat limited in the united states right like what you can consider the intellectual or like more self-involved left has always kind of like been pushed into academic and then limited um publications and media outlets of of varying persuasions and varying degrees of one the intensity of their con- of their content and also the integrity of their content. So I mean I'd say like you know democracy now is probably like the oldest example people cite. Um, what was that one show that Sam Sater was doing? Current one. Uh, majority report or yeah majority report that says youtube live stream right yeah yeah there's like those there's those that they people cite there's like a bunch of like talk radio and talk like stream shows 
Um, the Young Turks is one that people will point to a lot, and that's probably where like a lot of grifters they get their start if you think about it right yeah i mean it's kind of um i don't know i mean like i haven't watched them in forever in years years yeah i mean it's i don't to me they 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 represent like i mean like obviously like yeah like you're kind of right it's sort of like this i don't want to call it a breeding ground because it makes it sound like they're the ones like that that has like an environment that's inherently creating, but it's a deregulating brand. You know but what I mean? Yeah, it's like it's kind of like this weird space where it's sort of like where a lot of them get their start. But I think like what they're most guilty of really is just kind of going hard into like just, in my opinion, like clickbait, basically. Pretty much you like, could, you could, that is their biggest thing it is clickbait these like weird like inflammatory like, titles yeah and like, then, let's, like, like let's just pull up like their channel like what do they got like if they're still around oh my god oh they're definitely still around i know that much i haven't watched them but i know like i see it pop up um Trump okay, will go after Sean Hannity testimony. These Trumpins, I mean, these are actually not as bad as I was expecting. Um, some of them usually get like, and I, I don't, I mean, maybe it's to some extent, it's like, you know, some of the ones where it's like they own so and so, like maybe it's just because like that's just what the algorithm picks up. And like, if you want to sort of inject yourself into like the space of like, you know, where the right wing is, like, you kind of need to, you know, use some of their marketing tactics and whatnot. I don't know. But yeah, I haven't really, like, given anything that their content, like, an earnest viewing in some time. Um, I'll check out the majority port sometimes, but that's about, like, it as far as, like, these, like, the more Journalist unmasked CNN on CNN. Unmasked in all caps. <laughs> yeah, there's like all, senator, a lot of all caps. Yeah, definitely, like, uh, what is this? Republican senator proposes a bill to ban all porn, all in the capitals. Like, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. It's, like, f- first to begin with, right? Like, uh... Who's who's the guy that like we've we've definitely railed on in the past? Um, Jimmy Dore. Jimmy Dore got his start here, yep. if not before. Didn't Dave Rubin also work yep. here for a hot second? Yep. Um, which makes you like wonder, like, are like are they just like awful at like vetting the people that are they just like oh screw it, like you know, big umbrella, just throw anyone <laughs> any random guy on here. On the one hand, like there is like. My general thought, right, is like because if you don't have like a organized party for the left in America, there's no party line for people to like hold on to as a standard. Sure. So everyone's yeah. already like a like a basically an intellectual um contractor to some extent, right? Yeah. But then at the same time, like where do you draw the line between like the average amount of weirdness that americans have in their political views and where do you draw the line at you know like wolves and sheep's clothing kind of deals and where do you also just draw the line between like people who are stupid or 
like have something to gain from like problematic coverage of a certain thing. Like you kind of see that with like turfs. That was that was the pandemic market, right? I mean, turfs. And, yeah, oh, yeah, turfs. The pandemic market. You even got like a uh, like the weird like uh, pro police like people like Matt Taibbi like threw his credibility in the drain. Oh yeah, police for whatever reason. Yeah, I hadn't seen as many people do that for profit as I had like those other things where it was like very clearly like this is just their brand. Um, like obviously, yeah, I mean, there's, the police thing is like there, but it's just it is weird. Like when you see like these people, and I think like, I mean, there's no clear solution to that, right? I mean, I think like, you know, I I think you know approach like your contractors with some degree of like. I don't know if cynicism is like the right word. Cause I, I mean, I think I, I understand like the need to like genuinely like engage with this stuff, but like, I don't know. I mean, like to have some level of like understanding, like, wait, like if, if you're noticing like a pivot and like, it starts getting like really hard on something at that point, I think you kind of have to acknowledge that like the ship has sailed on like, these people like I said you know when you're like Talibi who's just like I mean his credibility is completely in the mud right I mean between like the pro police thing between like the nonsense of the Twitter files right right where it's just like they I, I mean it's like the best uh, the like the most charitable like description of it is is it's like a lower stakes version of like what Edward Snowden did where it's like kind of unveiling evidence of something that we kind of already knew but here it's like just so banal right where it's like oh like and, and, and it's even worse because it's like half the story isn't there and it's very odd like but like there's still pieces of that half the story that indicate that there's other parts of the story that like they just like for the sake of their agenda, they're not going to include. Yeah. And it's just, it just makes it all the worse. And I mean, Jimmy Dore, I mean, like, again, like kind of just someone profiting off like COVID and stuff like that. And, you know, whatever else like his, his grift is. Um, I mean, we, we said like no elected politicians. I mean, Tulsi was, but you know, now she's not and just sort of embracing like, you know, Oh, I'm leaving the party. Oh, you know, I support this and that. That's like, you know, whatever. And I, I guess in her case, it's really like it kind of boils down to like trans issues uh, predominantly seems to be what it is. But like, and, you know, I think part of the issue, too, and you know, I'm kind of rambling a little bit is like, and we kind of talked about how there's no like party line per se. And it's kind of because like the Democratic Party doesn't have like any real litmus tests. Right. I mean, the, the closest thing to one is, I guess, like, you know, being pro-choice. Um, but obviously, but it, but it took forever. Even that, yeah, to yeah, get and, and even that. even that's a little suspect that that's like a proper line in the sand, because um, you do have that one guy uh, whose name escapes me right now, um, who the leadership supported despite his pro-life stance. Um, it was the Democrat Jessica Cisneros was running against. I think. Yeah, in Texas. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, like those are like the the main ones. Um, I mean, it's just like, it's like, like, that's like the closest to like a, a litmus test. So like everything else is sort of like, and I'm not saying like, you know, there shouldn't be discussions or debates about, you know, different things, but like, there's nothing else really that like, you know, like the problem is when you don't have like a clear 
ideological identity for your party, the average person just kind of like, if their leader, if the party leader says, like, I support this, it's just like, okay, cool. Like, is that consistent with my values? I don't know, because I don't really have any, because I consume them from the media or whatever. And that's really kind of the problem that I think we've been running into for a while. Pretty, pretty much. And it's like, the way that media consumption in a way shapes people's political identity because like engaging with the consumption of political media is like one of the few other ways that people feel like they're engaging politics aside from the limited like avenues you have to engage in it right which is like electoral politics participating in an organization if it exists for you or you choose mm-hmm. to pick one of the uh, two major parties, or you know picketing, striking, and protest. That's pretty much like the the core at, like routes people have. And then, if you have the means, lobbying and financial control, but not for us. Um, it, the way even like you know in in the more sectarian left, right, like the amount of people who will call themselves Marxists because they watch a certain like Twitch streamer, right? <laughs> is, 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 is one thing. Even like, uh, there's beefs on Twitter between like the fans of one podcast, like fan base and another and shit. But like, it, it, even if like those disputes have like a legitimate basis, right? How do you like, come to terms with the realization that like okay but we're all like in the sandbox listening to podcast you know what i mean like yeah and i think like that's like the thing too it's like i mean i think some of these battles are more harmful than they are good too right like i mean if there's like you know i mean they're not saying that there that there's not some legitimacy in uh certain gripes and stuff like that but like i mean some of them to me are just like I don't know. Like, I mean, like, like the ones that you're describing, it's like kind of like this is not where like your energy should be exerted, right? And uh, on some level, I mean, like, I guess there's you know that there's there are issues with you know like the platform that people have, right? And like how they yeah. use it and stuff like that. Um, I do acknowledge that, which is why I think like it is fair to like you know have you know. It sounds dork when I put this way. Have podcast wars over different things, right? right? Like, and you know, if you feel that, like, okay, like, hey, like, this person is like using their platform to sort of like engage in mass deception, yeah, that's like you know problematic. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that's yeah. That kind of sums up my thoughts on that. Yeah, and even, like, I'm just trying to think about, like, the most recent... Part of it is, like, I'm not paying attention to some of this stuff anymore, right? Sure. The the last, like, big action-oriented grifter you could even point to, right? Like, you know, Glenn's kind of in his own wilderness of mirrors. Matt Taibbi's in his own (laughs) wilderness of mirrors. Yeah. Uh, All the independent... I mean, Caleb Maupin and, like, the Infrahaz guys... Oh man, that's a rogues gallery, but they're all just you idiot point. I don't feel like they're dangerous the way they used to be. Okay. But, I'm not familiar with them to be honest. 
the less you know, the better. <laughs> it's it's just it's they're they're just children who think that like you can be a communist and support Trump. They're not serious. It's more garbage. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I know the type. <laughs> yeah, you know the type. Okay. Yeah. No need to dwell on them any more than they have to be. Um, I think like yeah, the most like active one was Brianna Gray, right? With the whole force the vote, with the whole people strike, whatever Medicare strike she was trying to do. Yeah. Like, and and you had a lot of people latch onto it too. I mean, I'll admit that like I used to follow Bad Faith, the the podcast she was doing with Virgil uh Texas from Chopper a while ago, right? Mm-hmm. It's like they they seem to like have come out from like trying to understand what happened in the fallout of the twenty twenty Bernie campaign. And they were marketing themselves as like a okay, all these like stupid like left in in interleft camp debates, we're gonna have them on our podcast and try to hash them out. But then like it just turned into more like drama for the sake of drama. It turned into like getting Chomsky on to say what he always says, which is vote for the Democrat, and then getting mad at him for saying it. It turned into like rehashing Bernie versus Warren beef, and then like de- defending Jimmy Dore, who was eventually going to go on to like propose a red brown alliance. Like, regardless of whether these people believe what they're saying, like the fact mm-hmm. that they're doing it for clout and for money should like be all you need to be like okay i need to i need to pick up a book i need to yeah i need to maybe just do something different you know yeah i mean absolutely i mean that's that's kind of like the the crux of it right is it's like and and i think you know a lot of like i don't know i mean like for me like i've always felt like it's it's relatively easy to identify like these folks right like Mm -hmm. it, it shouldn't take that long before you realize that like oh hey like this is they believe some weird stuff. Um, I mean, like, force the vote and whatnot, that was kind of... I mean, that was a while ago now, but, like... Yeah. I think they that really had one, people thinking they were doing something. Yeah, I, and I think, like, that was... That, to me, was, like, a major letdown. Not in the sense that, like, oh, man, like, I really wish they, they forced the vote, because like, I thought that was dumb. But, like, it was just the idea that, like, it was... They're, they're, there's this act, like, prescriptive action that they're recommending that doesn't really like solve anything doesn't really accomplish anything other than like you know kind of just create a pseudo scandal uh within like the democratic party that i don't think really changes anything if anything like it probably opens up you know the people who forced the vote in congress to you know get ousted um if anything and i think like it was like I don't know. I mean, like, if, if, like, if you have gripes with the Democratic Party and whatnot, I mean, that's, that's completely fair and legitimate. But, like, I think that, like, you know, your, your issues with them largely boil down to, like, at least on the left, comes down to, like, their lack of action, right? And if you want to take action that goes beyond that, like, you need to look outside of electoral politics. Uh, in my opinion, like you need to find ways to like engage with it, you know, either, you know, kind of, I mean, there's a number of ways you can do it. And a lot of them are, you know, not necessarily the most feasible and definitely, you know, impossible on your own. But like, those are like, I, I think those are way more worth like the energy of a coalesced movement rather than trying to pressure Congress to vote on a bill that you already know is going to lose, but it will reveal supposed like silent defectors. 
Yeah, it's it, it's it's also the kind of thing where it's like, oh, it's going to put people on the record. I mean, if you already had suspicions about somebody, wasn't that enough? Especially at the electoral right. level, like, well, and like, a... and the thing is too, it's like the people that you're suspicious of that like are like the ones who said they would vote for it, but you, in theory, they wouldn't when they're actually forced to. If they know it's going to fail, there's no harm in them just keeping up the the, the facade. And and I think that's like the 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 joy of the grift, basically, right? Is that you're selling dreams to people you, that like they make them feel like yeah. they're a part of something. And like, I mean, there you go. Like, they were bank on Patreon for a hot second, and like, I don't know how that podcast is still doing. I don't tune in. I don't want to know anything about it. But even like to to tank like a former Chapo. Uh, for like allegations of improper conduct and have that guy disappear off the internet and still be like doing this bizarre podcast shit. I mean, my God. Yeah. And and even then it's like the thing, the thing with these grifters is like, it's always the same thing. It's always the same, like 10 things. It's like, there's gotta be like a bizarre amount of like letting a right winger speak like uh, unprompted, unchallenged. There's that. There's like a to, like 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 toothless action that you can prescribe to someone, but make them feel like they're doing something. Mm-hmm. There's, of course, like um, the turf like like the, their pet issues, like 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 turf shit, being pro cop but being not pro cop when like the situation calls on it, and just like always sniffing where the money is at is is like. Is, is it's definitely the warning signs, and I think like the biggest warning sign, if anything, is like someone who's not willing to admit they don't know everything. Yeah, I think that's fair. Like my my favorite shows are hosted by people who like will just start the start the podcast like I don't know what I'm talking about. Let's go ahead. It's like <laughs> oh, this is the scope of my research. I will I will take questions, but like let's start here first. Like. There there has to be like there has to be an awareness of the fact that this is a group effort. You can educate, you can share info, but there's a limit to what you can know and there's I don't know, like I feel like the the biggest failure of both of Bernie's presidential runs, and this may be like my most cynical take in this episode period, is there is now a new lane in this left media ecosystem, in this political consulting ecosystem, whatever you want to call it, for a progressive slash left-wing brand. And that's probably why, like, someone who's, like, a chameleon like Tulsi jumped in at the first, at the first you know, jump, and then, like, once the turf money started pouring in, then decided to go to, to, to Tucker Carlson, maybe. Yeah, and and it's so weird, too, where it's like, I mean, I've noticed, like, too, there's, like, this push where it's, like, I mean, the most charitable way is that they're just, like, accelerationists that, like, you know, supporting the GOP so hardcore will, like, force, like, leftists to, like, rise up in rebellion or whatever, which is a little bit of a pipe dream. Um, I hate to say it, but, you know... It kind of is, but like you know, it's just like and and again, like or some, but it's like they're like outright like oh, like you actually need to support like 
the most like repugnant people in Congress. Like uh, Jim Jordan is like your great white savior. Um, not because of his policies, but because he's against the people whose policies are not quite far enough for you. And it's just so weird where it's like, that's sort of the, like, I don't know. It's like, I just don't understand. Like, I mean, I, I don't understand the psychology of the people who actually buy into that where it's like, oh yeah, like that's a really good point. Or like, you know, like some of them at least are a little bit more mask off on the turf issue. Not that that excuses them. Um, for their position on it, but they're at least like, you know, like, okay, yeah, like, this is why they feel that way. It's because they're, you know, they agree with them on this issue. They they share the same morally repugnant views and stuff like that. Um, whether or not that's like, excuses like sacrificing everything else, that's just dumb. Yeah, it's just like for the chance of Medicare for all, you'll shake hands with fascism and then you don't even know if they're going to hold on to that goal for you you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and it's just like i guess i don't know there's there's so much to unpack with each of these people and like it's 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 like walking into a sewer i don't like doing this but like it's it's something you got to do to clear a block at some point and it's like there's so much media out there that does educate, and then there's a lot more that doesn't. There's media out there that is meant to radicalize, and then there's media out there that doesn't. There's people who are very well-meaning with what they're trying to put out there, and then there's people who, at this like whether by accident or by intent, are really only in it for the dollar they can make off of you and the views and clout they can get from you. And just being cognizant of that reality. You don't have to like it. I for sure don't like it. You don't have to be happy with it. You know I'm not happy with it. But just just walking in with like the healthy skepticism isn't a bad thing. No, not for sure. And I mean, I don't know. Like, there's definitely a lot of scorn to be passed around. I think, you know, I've probably hyped up a lot of podcasts that I do like. You'll probably see me interact with them a lot on Twitter. But, like, I think my final take is, like, you know, anyone who's willing to have the humility to admit they they could be wrong about something, that's someone I trust more than anything else. If that even counts for anything. That's fair, yeah. And I guess, like, I don't know, like, if it comes to, like, what is our intention for 2023, it's like, you know, we're just trying to share what we've learned. We're trying to share what we know. I for sure think that, like, I may I may or may not have been wrong on certain things. I may have been definitely wrong on certain predictions and takes. Um. So, yeah, I mean, if anyone was like, oh. Yeah, I will say, admittedly, I think, you know, not not to, like, cover my ass on anything, but, uh. Not um, that I'm even yeah, I, that. I, I, We're I not covering our ass here. It's right, but I'm just saying, like, I, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't see, unless you're, like, you know, trying to get people to, like, you know, financially invest in things based on predictions. I don't think there's really any harm in getting that kind of stuff wrong. And, you know, being humble enough to admit that is, yeah. uh, that you were wrong about those things, I think, is sort of like the bare minimum threshold to cross. Well, what has 2022 been other than accepting that sometimes you just have to cross the bare minimum threshold? 
Yeah. And that bare minimum threshold is lower than ever. Well, that's about everything we plan to cover on the outline. Yeah. Well, thanks again for another year. Beefy, a beefy way to end the year. <laughs> we left our deepest, most esoteric existentialist takes for the last one, huh? Yeah. Ah, man. Uh, it's It's been a lot of fun doing this show with you, man. I mean, definitely, I don't want to give this up. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I love this. Look forward to another year. Um, more content, more more contributions to the machine. And, you know, hopefully some, you know, decent philosophical takes, too. For sure. For sure. And, you know, hopefully 2023 will be the year I deliver more quality and more quantity, too. I'm definitely like, you know, I want to do a little bit more like research and like investigation and like multi-part projects as well but i gotta sit down and do the reading <laughs> i get your uh, pi license and then do a uh you know a true crime of cases that you've actually done <laughs> i'm sure that has to be out there um like i mean like i'm sure there's like ndas and stuff like that that you know limit certain things but i'm like that, that i feel like that would be way more interesting than half like the true crime podcast out there is of someone who like actively you know participated in the uh, investigative process. Possibly. Possibly. Uncover the next George Santos. <laughs> Before they ever get into office, yeah. we gotta stop them. <laughs> oh, God. Well, thanks again, dear listeners, for another great year of podcasting and producing content. I feel glad that I finally hit my target of 60 episodes. Um... And it's 8.31 at the time of recording, Eastern Time. I've only got one edit to make, so I probably should be able to get this up pretty quick. But uh, yeah, we wish you all the best. Uh, enjoy your new year. Enjoy your new year. Uh, hope you get everything you want and more. <laughs> uh, but until then, uh, this has been another episode of Greenhouse Gaslighting. Uh, Josh, where can people find more of you if they want to hear more of you? Oh, well, I'm, of course, as I said, on uh, Monster Pop Podcast, uh, wherever podcasts listen to on Twitter, uh, as long as that exists. I am uh, at JoshuaCoss17. Um, those are the big places to find me. Solid. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter as long as it's still here at, at PodGreenhouse. I will post all the required links in the description below. Till then, take care. Happy New Year, dear listener. <laughs>